following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. One, two, is this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that triple H. Just in case you've forgotten, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the two-time wrestling radio show of the year, Wrestling News Live. The bad boys of wrestling radio, the Trey Dog. We will never use the words shit, f, God, Jesus, fit, or any other racial or sexual slurs. And JJ Sexay. I did not. I repeat, I did not sleep with that young intern. As a matter of fact, I was up. Night. Wrestling News Live. For the fans, by the fans. That's right, the franchise is back. Wrestling News Live. We are demanding more respect from you starting now. Here are your hosts, the Trey Dog and JJ Sexay. All right, good evening, guys. Welcome to another edition of Wrestling News Live. On the SNS Radio Network. You can also find us at www.wrestlingnewslive.tk and streaming at wrestlingonline.com. And of course, our good friends at www.audiowrestling.com right now. But join us in the chat room. We have a lot to cover tonight as far as professional wrestling is concerned. Uh, I want to give you guys a heads up tonight in the main event segment of the program myself and the Trey dog will be running down the fallout from last night's pay-per-view extravaganza tna's final resolution the final tna pay-per-view of 2010 where are they going to go from here well trey and i are going to have a lot of thoughts on that later on to uh basically main event the show we've got obviously news of the week coming up we're going to be joined at the top of the hour by former WWE talent Razor Rick Titan. You remember him as Razor Ramon II back in 1996, 
along with Glenn Jacobs in the role of Diesel. Uh, he will be joining us later on in the program in about 30 minutes' time to discuss uh, his latest endeavors. He's uh, an author as well now. Uh, got a new book out called Wrestling with Consciousness. And he's got some indie dates where he's going to be doing some special referee stuff. So there is a lot going on on this special jam-packed edition of Wrestling News Live. I guess really the question that I have right now is where in the hell is the Trey Dog? It's showtime, and I don't see the Trey Dog anywhere on the Skype line. I don't even see him in the chat. So hopefully Trey will be joining the show momentarily just got finished watching, uh, for once, not a three-hour Raw. I'm getting to the point where it seems like every other, you know, two or three Raws, you've got a big special edition three-hour Raw. It was nice to kind of cut things back tonight and, and watch only a two-hour edition of Monday Night Raw. I definitely, you know, not that I don't have anything against the three-hour Raws because, you know, every now and then they put together a really good three-hour show, but it was nice to get back to basics and only have uh, two hours of Monday Night Raw. But guys, of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay. And believe it or not, I do believe late, but he is here, ladies and gentlemen. The Trey Dog. Guess who's back? Is in the house. Lord, I apologize. I was um, here in the arena, but I was really, really stoned. I wasn't ready to go on with the show. Pretty much keeping it par for the course, aren't you, Trey? <laughs> Actually, to be honest with you, I was on Facebook promoting the show, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's time to call in. Well, I think I threw you for a loop because usually we, we are a couple minutes late, but I was actually right on time today. Which is good because it was the one time I didn't start watching Raw until 9 o'clock. Ah, nice. So I was behind all day, but I'm I'm here now. Everything's good. I watched the whole show, so all good to go. That is excellent news, my friend. So what's going on in the life of the trade dog today? Well, I thought my Jeep blew up last night, but... uh. Anybody that's ever had a manifold gasket blow on them know that's a odd thing to have happen. You know, 35 down the road, and blam! I thought my engine was going to fall out of my Jeep. But anyway, uh, started working on that today. Worked on my brother's Jeep for a little while and did some things here around the house, took care of some personal matters. And looking forward to Raw. And yeah, man, yeah, you know, it was what it was. I'm not, you know, doing, you know, cartwheels, but I'm not disappointed either. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd rather seen happen that didn't happen tonight. I thought that opening segment was just crying for Boomer Sooner. <laughs> just a little bit, eh? I just, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what Vince's reasoning for wanting to put Jr. out to pasture is, but boy, he's. He's butthurt, whatever it is. Well, I think the what I had heard is Vince's thing with having JR. It's not that he has any dislike for JR. It's just that he's wanting to push younger guys into that position, younger talent, I guess. 
And I mean, let's face it, as much as we love Jim Ross and we're part I mean, I guess we're um what's the word I'm looking for? We're partial to JR. We're biased perhaps. Because, you know, he's a good old Oklahoma boy like ourselves. But he's also, in my opinion, one of the best all time wrestling announcers, commentators, play by play guys in the business, only second to Gordon Soley. And why he's not being utilized, I'll never understand. I mean, if you don't want to bring him out on Monday Night Raw every week, that's fine. But, I mean, I would love to have Jim Ross back on pay-per-view broadcast. It would really freshen things up. I know when he was taken off the team, he was he was taken off for health issues, but apparently that's okay. He's, 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 he said he's 100%, he's ready to return. You know, to have that kind of a talent and that voice and not utilize it in some way. I mean, my God, they just re-signed Gene Okerlund to a one-year deal. They're still using Gene. Why in the hell would you want to use JR also? Well, and I see your point, but the thing with Gene Okerlund is I'm, obviously he's got a lot of stuff geared up that, you know, he's doing the vintage collection stuff for, you know, their, uh, their WWE 24-7 service. I mean, Gene's good in that type of a role it's not you're you're not going to see gene okerlund on a regular basis at monday night raw doing interviews i mean it's you know it is what it is and what michael cole showed me tonight is that he just needs to be a manager for the miz well i'd I'd have no problem with that and maybe that's the direction that they're going to go here in the very near future i like your opinion of the miz he's the champion that will make money because people will tune in to see him get beat by the same token in order to keep that from happening, he will use everything to his advantage, including that of Michael Cole. Uh, you know what? I agree with that. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we go ahead and launch right into the news of the week? we got just a little bit of news to kind of cover, and we can do a little discussion before uh, the top of the hour when we bring uh, Razor Rick Titan on the program. So with that said, let me cue up the news sounder, and we'll go into the news of the week brought to you by WrestlingOnline.com. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. May I have your attention, please? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. And now the news. I'm listening. And we're going to start things off, of course, with, I don't know if you've heard this yet or not, Trey, but apparently uh, it looks like Hogan is looking at possibly relaunching another version of Hogan Knows Best. Did we find out from the first one that he didn't know shit? Well, this one would center around his new wife, Jennifer, and, of course, his relationship with his kids. Uh, you know, the last one ran three seasons and came to an abrupt halt. They tried to do Brooke Knows Best. That didn't work out so well. I, I'm starting to wonder, is Hogan hurting for money? I mean, what's the deal with this guy? Well, he's not hurting, but he's not rich. I mean, he... At this point, though, I think with with the holster coming back to TNA, hasn't he lost, I mean, a little bit of that Hulkamania luster that he had had he never shown back up? I mean, with the Hogan knows best and the Brooke knows best and the Finding Hogan and the, you know, gallon of Jack Daniels and the gallon of Captain Morgan's and the gun to his head and the three days of darkness and then, 
finding somebody who's about two years older than Brooke that wants to go down on him and then losing all of his money and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't care anymore. I don't care, Hulk. I don't. Do what you got to do, but stay off the TV and, you know, just do what you got to do to get by. And if TNA is it, then just let TNA be it. Good news for all. Last week's rating drew about a 3.1. About a 3.1? 3.1. Well, I mean, that just goes to show you that people think wrestling. They think WWF, WWE. They think 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern on USA. Because they're not turning in because the product's in great shape. They're turning in because that's what their schedule inside their body tells them when they want to see wrestling. Well, the interesting thing is this, that uh, from 9 to 11... The uh, they had looks like they had five million one hundred twenty-five thousand viewers. The overall show, however, was down point zero one from the previous week. Interesting. That is interesting. Well, let's see. Let's move on to some TNA news. Uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Mick Foley said in a recent interview with GeekWeek.com. That I like Geek Week. Geek Week? He is apparently yeah. going to leave TNA Wrestling when his contract expires next year. I would not be surprised. He says that the place resembles WCW with too many captains on one ship. He said that it's tough to know who's in charge of the company with Bischoff and Hogan running things. And if you have a problem, you really don't know who to approach. Foley also expressed his disappointment after TNA described or decided not to air the footage of his recent appearance on the John Stewart rally in Washington. He said that with Hulk Hogan on board, there's only one, there's only room for one non-wrestler talker and it's certainly not him. So when it's time to leave, he will do just that. Well, I, I can't say I blame him. Um, you know, that comment is awfully similar to one that Jeremy Borash made on the death of WCW or something like that along those lines. Somewhere he said that, uh, maybe it was the Jeff Jarrett DVD. He said that when WCW was in his dying days, you didn't even know who to go to because you didn't know who was in charge. He had no idea. You know, and I, I hate to admit it, but TNA be fucking up a whole lot more than they be doing things correctly. I would have to agree with that statement. It's uh, It's been going downhill. Uh, the Royal Rumble pay-per-view poster is up. Features 10 faces of uh, 10 different WWE superstars. Uh, looks like it is the WWE champion The Miz along with John Cena, Rey Mysterio, R-Truth, Randy Orton, John Morrison, Edge, World Heavyweight Champion Kane, Kofi Kingston, and Alberto Del Rio, but you already Alberto knew that. Del Rio. What poster is this? Uh, the Royal Rumble. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I think that's when Triple H comes back, by the way. Uh, possibly. He, I think he's going to be back before then. I think he's being advertised for the December 20th show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. December 20th would be the night after TLC in a couple weeks. So okay. yeah, he has be been cool. advertised to show up on that show. We'll see what happens. Um, Shawn Michaels is also being advertised uh, to take part in tribute for the troops. Now, uh, all indications are Shawn Michaels is not going to be wrestling on the card. He's just going to hang out and show his support for the troops at uh, at Fort Hood, Texas. 
Yes. So we want to make sure uh, we, we quell any rumors of Shawn Michaels actually having a match. <laughs> Shawn Michaels has been quite a bit in the news lately. He has. I read an interesting little column today how uh, Shawn Michaels was the target of abuse from one Hurricane Shane or Hurricane Helms. Yes, he uh, he had a lot of fun taking shots at Shawn Michaels, saying that he's a hypocrite, that he believes his whole religious lifestyle is a work, and the guy doesn't live the gimmick really at home, and uh, just had a lot of negative and unflattering things to say about Shawn Michaels. Well, the one thing that, 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 that crinkled my underwear here on this was that he says that Sean professes to be this Christian man that talks about going deer hunting and killing animals. You stupid motherfucker, who do you think put the animals on the planet for us to kill and feed our families with? Well, I'm a deer hunter, does that mean I'm a Satan worshiper? No. Well, not only that, but when you think about it, the reason that you're allowed to deer hunt is because if you don't hunt down these animals, they will infest an area. It's also called population control. Let's put it to you this way. If I had to pick somebody for my son to eventually someday become, it would be Shawn Michaels over a guy still doing a super stupid superhero gimmick hanging out with the fucking Hardys. I mean, that's his only claim to fame right now is he's hanging out with the goddamn Hardy boys. I gotta be honest with you. This is not something I would want to tell all my friends. <laughs> you got a good point there, Trey. I, I don't think I'd be advertising that. Hey, I'm hanging out with uh, with Matt and Jeff. I mean, ten years ago that might have got you somewhere, but right now, not so much. Not really. <laughs> Moving out of the Shawn Michaels Hurricane Helms storm of controversy, as I guess we'll call it here on the show. Um, apparently. NXT season nice three winner. Do what? It's a hurricane. Nice pun with storm. Yes. Uh, apparently, NXT season three winner Caitlin, officially on the SmackDown brand. In case you didn't know. Oh well, that makes perfect sense because she's got to be over there with uh, with uh, Dolph Ziggler and and Vicky Guerrero. Well, exactly. She was in that before she won NXT, so. In the grand scheme of things, maybe Naomi should have won NXT season three, but you know, we didn't fantasy. I don't know, man. I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't watch enough of it to say that. You know, this is the you know bottom line, be all end all opinion of NXT. I didn't watch enough, but I, Caitlyn was my chick from the beginning. Caitlyn and AJ were my chicks from the beginning, so this I don't know this other chick. She was good, but I thought she was going to get eliminated a long time ago, to be honest with you. Well, you know, it is what it is. I don't have a problem with the fact... I know it's your favorite show, but still. Oh, well, it used to be, but not so much anymore. Um, Jillian Hall, former WWE diva, was released recently, and she basically has commented on uh, her release on Twitter saying that uh, she actually asked for her release a couple of times before her wish was granted. Uh, the truth is, I asked for my release a couple of times before it was actually released. No hard feelings toward WWE. 
This is just where I am in my life right now. The 30-year-old was released on November 19th along with six others following a five-year stint with the company. During her time there, she won the Divas title once and it only lasted a few minutes because Melina defeated her the following moment after Mickey James was basically uh, sent to SmackDown at that point. So, right before Mickey was sent to Hardcore Country. Pretty much. Pretty much. And let's see. In other news. In other news. In other news. I should do my Walter Cronkite voice for this, shouldn't I? There you go. Uh, you know, TNA almost canceled their main event last night. What I hear. Several sources reported that Jeff Hardy showed up yesterday uh, in no condition to wrestle, looking very tired with TNA officials being concerned about his health and the idea of taking him off the show and stripping him. The title was also discussed. Reports, dis- reports suggest that the planned substitute match was going to be Matt Morgan versus Jarrett versus Ken Anderson for the vacated TNA world title. However, after the champ met with management, it was decided to go ahead with the original match. Jeff, who had his own personal problems in the past, attributed the bad shape he was in to tiredness stemming from the recent tour of Abu Dhabi, as well as appearances that followed in the U.S. immediately after returning home. Yeah, let's blame it on the travel, Jeff. Does anybody believe, does anybody believe for two seconds that Jeff Hardy was just tired and couldn't do it? Please. Well, yeah. I mean, hell yeah. That's the truth. He was the only one in the entire company that was tired. Everybody else got plenty of sleep. Jeff was the only one that got back from Abba Laba Daba and had no rest. He was up all night changing diapers with purple and green shit from the enigmatic baby. And he might have tripped, slipped, and fell on joint. We can't neither confirm nor deny that he had a joint, but he's the only one that was tired from his trip to Abba Laba Daba. <laughs> yes. Abalabadabu. I like how you say Everybody it. else was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready for the pay-per-view. Jeff, fresh back from Abalabadabadaba, Eminemma Ding Dong. Abu Dubai. Abu Dubai. Was too tired and accidentally tripped and slipped on a joint. It happens. It happens. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not buying that story for a minute. TNA obviously trying to cover up. We're going to discuss this more at length in the main event tonight. Where is Yabba Dabba Doo anyway? Where is Yabba Dabba Doo? Or Lama Dabba Dabba or I, I do believe that's in the Middle East. Oh, Talhead Country. Yes. Well, shit. He was out there looking for Bin Laden. He's a goddamn patriot. He should be given another belt. They're trying to say Jeff Hardy was stoned. No. He was out there in the middle of the fucking hills looking for a Osama bin Laden. He right. should be given his own fucking TV show. That patriotic son of a bitch. Well, like I said, I'm not buying for a second that he was just too tired to, to do the thing. He had that Krispy Kreme look you all don't night. Think, you don't think him and Matt and, and superhero fucking Helms were out there looking for bin Laden while they were in Yabba Dabba Doo? No, I don't think they were, Trey. Oh, all right. But anyway, let's move on to some other news. Samoa Joe's wrestling uh, without a contract at the moment. Apparently, his contract came up a few weeks ago, reportedly, and he's been working without a contract. He did give his verbal word that he would work final resolution and the next set of TV tapings for TNA Wrestling. 
However, with that said, where does Samoa Joe go from here? If I'm Samoa Joe, I got to look at the last five years that I've had in that company, and I have to think how badly they have misused my talent and buried me. Maybe it's time for Samoa Joe to go back to Ring of Honor, maybe go to Japan, maybe do some more indies, get his game back up, and maybe go and compete on a, on a bigger level somewhere else. But I, I think that at this point, if Joe signs a contract, I'll be real honest, I think he's an idiot. And that's just my personal opinion. I uh, do believe that if I were Samoa Joe, and to be honest with you, I think if I were anybody else in that company, I would be, although this doesn't pertain to me, I would be keeping a very close eye on what's going down with this contract situation. Because if they don't do it right by Joe, that's going to tell me a lot about this company, its direction. And I think Joe needs to stay there, sign a short-term deal, but get paid, and hopefully they'll use him correctly. I would agree with that. Our final news piece for tonight, uh, apparently The Rock's movie is uh, slipping faster in the box office. It's not, the name of the movie faster. It's not, yeah, the name of the movie is faster. You see what I did there? Nice. It's slipping faster. Uh, that, that, that broadcast school is really paying off. Dynamite <laughs> drop in. <laughs> Basically, this week it finished in eighth place in the box office chart with a total of 18112000 in box office receipts. The movie did... 3,829,000 for the weekend with an average of 1,550 per theater. So the Rocks movie faster, slipping very quickly down the charts. It's uh, basically right now, guys, a bomb. It's official. It is official. The movie has I, bombed. I hate that, but you know maybe it's time for the Rock to come back to do a little wrestling. Maybe. I would agree with that. You know, do a do a one-year turn in the WWE and his next movie will be a hit. Guarantee it. Well, I think, you know, like I said, as long as he's making $5 million a pitcher or more, there's no reason for him to come back. But with the, with the way the box office has been for him lately, uh, it's got to make you wonder if he still has it in his blood to kind of come in and, and do a couple things every now and then, maybe be a special attraction, maybe not a full-time member of the roster. Maybe you should go for it. Just saying. Crelly has a zinger in the chat room. You could say that his movie has hit rock bottom. Whoa! On that note... Credit the fucking foreign kid on that one, ladies and gentlemen. On that note... On that note... God, I'm turning Canadian more and more every day. Oh on that God, note... Somebody get this guy an American, an American kit. Give me some chicken fried steak or something. On that note, that's the news of the week. Brought to you by, of course, www.wrestling-online.com. And with that said, we're going to take our first commercial break of the evening. We're going to come back and uh, be joined by Razor Rick Titan, former WWE talent and author, right here on Wrestling News Live. So stay tuned for more WNL right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back.
Hi, gang. This is Mean Gene Okerlund from the WWE. And uh, you're listening to my very dear, close, personal friends, JJ and Trick. I bet those names are right. Yeah, I believe I do. Right here on Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network. Since 1996, Audio Wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. Such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. WWEShop.com, the home of official WWE merchandise. For a limited time only, WWE Shop has reduced prices on all t-shirts. Pick up your authentic top rope or basics tees while this special offer lasts. This is WWE TLC. Tables, ladders, and chairs. TLC is high risk. TLC is anything goes. TLC is no holds barred. TLC is the one night in WWE where everything is legal. WWE TLC, live Sunday, December 19th on Pay-Per-View. It's time. It's time to stop. The name-calling. The hurt. The bullying. Because of race. Creed. Color. Sexual orientation. It's time to treat everyone like you want to be treated. It's time. It's time. It's time to eliminate. Eliminate. Eliminate the hate. Eliminate the hate. Eliminate the hate. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you checked out the new Unplugged on Friday night? Well, if you haven't, make sure you check out the new Unplugged Friday nights with JJ Sexay at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, 8.30 Mountain Standard Time, where JJ covers SmackDown, video games, and whatever the hell else he feels like. See you in chat. I'm the master plan for the everyman, bringing hell to pay on WNL.TK, dropping the archive to your hard drive. I'm that guy, Ty, and you're listening to Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network. 
All right, guys, we're back right here, Wrestling News Live. Of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay, and I'm being joined, of course, by my co-host. You know him, you love him. He is the Trey Dog. I got a question for you. What's that? Do you think that TNA is doing this, you know, stop the hate because of bullies or because their product sucks right now? Um, you know what? It might be a little bit of both, Trey, to be quite honest. I mean, it's 2010, and granted, I haven't been in school in a long time, but I was never really bullied anyway. I, I really ask, are bullies that big of a problem in 2011, or is it more along the lines of, we've got Vince Russo booking our product, and it absolutely sucks? Well, I mean, that, that could go one of two ways. I mean, you might actually be right. It could be the fact that, yeah, Vince Russo's booking stuff. And I mean, they want to eliminate the hate, and we just want to eliminate Russo. Well, you bring up a good point, Trey. We should start our own campaign. What if, what if, I ask you, what if we finally show those people in Connecticut Internet and won't let their superstars be interviewed by internet radio shows because they think we don't know what we're talking about because we're not on real radio. And those guys in Orlando, that when they got on Spike TV, stopped booking their people on internet radio shows because, well, it works for the WWE. It's got to work for them, too. But yet they want to bitch and complain about their buy rates sucking because nobody knows who their characters are. What if we showed them the true power of the IWC? You know, with all these wrestling radio shows that are out there and everybody taking shots at each other and this show said this about us and we said this about them and they said this about them and they said this about them. Why can't we all find a common bond, reach out our hands to our brothers in radio, our sisters in audio, our neighbors outside the ring with the microphone. Why can't we get TNA to stand up and listen to us as one dominant voice and tell them to give us what we want? Is it that hard? Really? Just give us what we ask for. Let the people we want to cheer be baby faces. Let the people that should be heels, heels. Quit trying to out smart the iwc just be normal ladies and gentlemen joining us on the line former wwe talent he's now an author and motivational speaker ladies and gentlemen welcome to the program razor rick titan what's going on tonight rick well, we're doing some great things here in Calgary. Opened up a business synergy center. Uh, it's a place for entre- conscious entrepreneurs, actually. And what we've got is people doing some coaching in there. We've got a hypnotherapist in there. We've got ways of uh, personal and self-development that uh, we're working to get out into society a little bit more. So people, sort of like with weight training before, wrestling training, but with the mind more now. And uh, it's very gratifying. We're watching a lot of people grow and growing ourselves in the process. Very cool. So it's like one of those things if I come in and I say, Rick, I want you to make me quit smoking. 
they do the hypnotized thing right there? Well, he can do things like that. I don't know to what extent he works on smoking, um, but I know he's worked on people's fears, and uh, wow. he's kind of turned turned my mind around recently as well on some things that I didn't think that I could do or, or that, that would happen out there. And then, funny enough, I went through that same space that he kind of took me through in the hypnosis, and, uh, and I found that I had the, the right headspace to do things. That's interesting. I could spend hours talking about that kind of stuff, man. Yeah. That kind of stuff yeah. intrigues me. I like that. And he also does some things where they've actually got proven cells. They take a, people's cells under a microscope, and they look at them after about four treatments of this hypnosis, and they're totally changed by the end of it. And what it is is a, it's a youth-vitalizing hypnosis. So he gets people, when they're done, their, their skin, their face is literally firmer and tighter, and their wrinkles are a little bit less, and they look just more relaxed and more happy and vibrant. And it literally changes the cells right down to the core of their body. Now, see there? Jeff Hardy should have went to Rick's place, and then he wouldn't have been so tired when he came back from Abu Dhabi. <laughs> he wouldn't have looked stoned at last night's pay-per-view and everything would have been okay all this internet stuff about Jeff Hardy being too tired to wrestle would have been hearsay would have been over with <laughs> well who knows if he was too, too tired or what the deal was right <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he tripped on a joint somewhere between the house and, and the arena <laughs> Who knows? It could have been one of many things, right? So, now JJ tells me that you are into the motivational speaking. Yeah, yeah, I did a talk and with Anthony Robbins' student a little while ago on October 23rd. Actually, it's flown by. It's been over a month now. Uh, he came up from California, and we did a talk at the Radisson Hotel here in Calgary. It was quite successful. Now, and I'm not trying to get too deep into what you do, but I'm going to guess that a, it's a passion that you have. Yeah. B, you sound you already sound like a guy who really enjoys helping others. Yes. But I'm gonna assume that not only is it self gratifying, but it's gotta it's gotta be decent for paying the bills as well because Diamond Dallas Page, look at that guy. Mm. I mean he's doing he's doing wonderful with, with the motivational speaking and his yoga class that he teaches and I was just yeah. telling JJ that I, I when he had, when he introduced you and, and mentioned motivational speaking, it triggered in my head that TNA actually made an offer to Diamond Dallas Page, and he turned it down so that he enjoyed what he was doing with his motivational speaking more than getting back into wrestling. Yeah, well, the nice thing about the speaking part is you can do your your bit, and you can. Uh, yeah, I have to admit, I fall into a bit of old states when I do it, too. I enjoy it. I'm a bit of a ham, and I like to get in front of an audience, and that'll probably never go away. But motiva motivational speaking doesn't hurt. <laughs> Wrestling does. Yeah. You never, you never woke up sore from a motivational speaking engagement. No, no. And it's just as exciting. And the people, the difference between um, entertaining a wrestling crowd and really getting them into things is that it's real temporary and they don't really get a takeaway. They might walk away for a half an hour, even the next day and say, Hey, what a great time I had last night at the matches. But what we do with the speaking and not every speaker does this. 
some are more entertainment, some are more comedians. Uh, you'll walk out of there, and the guy had a, a name for his speech, and then you kind of go, well, what, the, what was that whole thing about again? Because, yeah, we were laughing the whole time, and it was entertaining, but we didn't get anything out of it. What, what was he trying to do? Right. Uh, versus the people that I've been working with, they either want to teach you about business or teach you just about being happier in general, give you some step-by-step procedures, and uh, give people tools, a takeaway. It's not just for speaking, it's for really improving other people's lives. And something like that has, is so much more meaningful and has so much more depth than just entertaining people. Although, you know, a lot of people... Um, see the different levels and, and depths of certain characters and their, their speaking there, or even with the storylines and things like that. But I honestly think that, I remember Bret Hart, he used to always talk to me about telling a story while you're wrestling. And he was, of course, one of the best. And the people tuned in to Stampede Wrestling back in its heyday, every week you would want to, you just couldn't wait to turn on that program again and go see uh, the bad guys get beat up and the good guys get revenge and things like that you know you don't really see that nearly as much anymore no you know and i i made a comment last night on my twitter page after you know watching the pay-per-view listening to jj's uh, awesome coverage with sunday night showdown um he marked the shark and internet dave did a great job with the pay-per-view after following that watching the show and i sat back and I just, you know, I read so many hateful things on the internet to Dixie Carter, to Eric Bischoff, to Hulk Hogan. I honestly said, and I've said this a few times over the last two or three weeks, and I mean it when I ask, you know, with with wrestling having been around as long as it has as a sport, as entertainment, you know, I mean, I'm 35 and it, it was around a lot longer than I've been here. Everything yeah. possible has been done. There's not, I, I can't think of anything that left that's going to be something that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's to the point now where I wonder, should we just go back to territories? Should we just stop yeah. and hit the reset button and say, okay, look, we, 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 we got our, our buy rate on our pay-per-view last week it sucked we apologize we have made some changes in our booking department we've made some changes to our story writing team we're going to start fresh from right now tonight is the first show of the future of tna wrestling and we hope you like where we go and just completely erase everything say my bad and start over because i don't see a way with so much hate on the internet, I don't see any way possible for them to right that ship or to fix the leaks in the boat because it's sinking and taking on so much water. Yeah, I have to have to agree. We're looking at a totally different time than back in Stampede Wrestling. I mean, uh, my book's called Wrestling with Consciousness, and people are so much more conscious and aware of what's really going on in the world out there now. Um, there's not even such a thing as a term smart marks, I don't think, anymore. Everyone no. just knows what's going on. There is no such thing as a mark, right? Yeah. So they have to, I think the, the people that are in the promotional power positions have to take a good hard look at that. They're not fooling anybody anymore. And I agree with what you said about territories. 
if you recall, some of the southern states and well, all kinds of places in the states, on the west coast and the east coast, and Stampede, especially because that was closer to me, and I understand that best, uh, they would bring in a crew of people for a time, and uh, that crew of people would come through, they'd do a story time, uh, sorry, a storyline, and um, right to the end of that storyline was a certain amount of characters. Then those characters, once usually the, the great baby face of the territory has overcome all of the adversities, then those people move on. Or the baby face moves on himself, you know, and so it's sort of like WWE, when back when I was there, it was called WWF. They had their A team, their B team, and maybe even a C and D team that would rotate around, and it just made it more interesting. But if you make it, it really seems like they're just too much into shock value and bling, and that's all that matters. And and then they have nothing in show business. The, the biggest saying I've ever known and still live by when I speak or when I write a book, it's always leave them begging for more. And they've lost right. that. Oh, I, big time. I will agree I, with you. I, I couldn't agree with you more on everything you just said. I mean, it's the point now where, you know, I look at the evolution of college football and sports as compared to wrestling, and people are very territorial. They want to root for their people. You know, yeah. and it's it's something that's, that in wrestling has really lost its luster because you don't feel that connection to the superstars anymore. And, you know, I would want to see, as a mid-south wrestling fan, I couldn't wait to see new guys come in and our guys come back and see where they'd been and what they did while they were away. You know, and if we could capture some more of that today as wrestling, it would make all of us more of a fan again. Yeah, and it's just too... Uh... It's almost too global in a sense that this person just seems like this big, take John Cena, for example, just this big shining being. But, I mean, the grassroots characters, if you look back at the original Undertaker, and then even at a time when he turned into more of the, the tough Undertaker, and then when he went back to the more traditional gravedigger type things, people really love that. They can relate to that, you know? And whether it's in the, their own darkest sides and then turning over into their own best sides. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there, but some of the little, I, you know, and I, I guess it's pointed at people that are younger in their 20s and everything, so they're doing storylines that people in their 20s can relate to. Um, but I think that they need to make it to where kids can relate to it again, where, where older adults can relate to it again. And there's just a big traditional historical grassroots storyline and they're going to get their fans back. I see a lot of what I, I, my opinion personally, looks like a bunch of guys out there trying to look like they're in the UFC, and they're competing against a bunch of guys who are literally beating the crap out of each other, and then these guys are trying to make it look There's no comparison. You guys can't do that. You're going to fail every single time, 10 times out of 10, because these guys are really doing it, and you're not. So why don't you become the entertaining character again? Go back to it. I have to agree exactly. with that. Yeah. I mean, if you can't beat him in the physicality, and you can't, Rick, like you said, 10 times out of 10, you're going to fail trying to do that. If you can't make the UFC fan watch WWE because they're so used to seeing the real thing, you know, then what you've got to do is what makes you you. And you've got to take that man that gets up and puts his pants on one leg at a time and turn him into the Undertaker. 
you got to build a story around that guy that makes us care more about that guy outside the ring than we do when he's inside the ring. And that's something they don't do with anybody anymore. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's, you know, there's so many dark things out there in society right now, too. And I heard you guys talking about the hate and things like that, and I agree. Uh, I also teach a meditation class, and it goes, it takes people out of society, but then teaches them how to be in society, but think almost totally the opposite as to how we're trained when we're kids, how we're raised to be so selfish, how we're putting myself first all the time, and how to relax with that, and then start including others and things, and how to sort of allow things and let go of things. And you live such a, a happier, better life. Even God is the day of the, the superhero, just a clean, straight-up superhero of Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, there's nothing confusing or dirty or nasty or, you know, it wasn't too complicated. They were just a good, clean hero. And I don't see too much of that anymore either. That That's a good point. Uh, Rick, I want to shift gears just a little bit. You and I go back quite a ways. I've known you since 2004 when you and I used to co-host, obviously, the old Wrestle Talk radio, and you even have uh, an even deeper tie to me that you actually were one of the original trainers uh, for my wife, Harmony, before she actually went to Stampede Wrestling. Um, yeah. yeah. So you and I have gone back for, for a long time now, since 2004. Um, but I kind of, a lot of people just tuning into the show who might not know much about Rick Titan, um, how did you exactly come about getting your uh, position with World Wrestling Entertainment back in 96? Well, it was, it was a whole bunch of different things. That was kind of convoluted, too. I was in Japan for quite a few years wrestling over there for mostly FMW. And then um, I ended up going over to Europe to wrestle for Auto Ones and CWA in Austria and Germany. I think they're all all defunct now as well. Uh, and I really wanted to get into the States. It was always my dream to go and wrestle along with my idols, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Undertaker, all these other guys. And finally, I'd gotten noticed enough globally at that point that Bret Hart got me a tryout with Vince McMahon's WWF. And uh, I tried out as Rick Titan, and I wrestled Frank Stiletto, and I did a swinging powerbomb. That was my finish in Japan at the time. And actually had long blonde hair and even had face paint over in Japan, which I don't. I think that day was dead in the States already by then, but uh, overdone and, and done for dinner, right? Oh, yeah, pretty but, much. Uh, facially, yeah. Facially and costume-wise, I think I had a few things going on that would have been a little bit different and unique. And for the character that I had developed, in, mostly in Calgary, actually, because I had a following in Calgary and had a pretty good baby face draw when, whenever we did shows out in certain areas uh, and surrounding. And uh, that's what I was hoping my character would be in the WWE. And Bret Hart, of course, got me to try out. And uh, went in there and did that with Frank Stiletto and thought, you know, okay, terrific. I had another match. Well, it was supposed to happen, actually. And Invader went too long. And then uh, we got knocked off. And I got kind of said, well, okay, guys said, see you later. You know, good luck to you. And I kind of went with my hands in the air. Well, what's going on? You know, am I hired or am I not? And uh, then I went home. And then I was a little perturbed about the whole thing. I thought, geez, I didn't even get my second match there. Uh, they're not going to think anything of me. They're probably going to completely forget about me. And I'd done this thing a little while before that trial at ECW is when the Blue Meanie and, and all those guys were doing the parodies of Shawn Michaels and Diesel. And I'd gone into ECW and just done a little parody of Razor Ramon because they thought it would be fun. 
and um, I'd done my little slice and dice, razor Ramon imitation to Polly Dangerously, and he's jumping up and down saying, can you do that out there as a parody? And I said, yeah, sure, it'd be fun. So um, they introduced me a slice and dice from ears and played the song Lowrider. And I came out to that with a toothpick in my mouth and it curled down the front of my head and, and with a leather vest on and acting all cocky and relaxed and losing my cheese mo man. And I uh, went in the, <laughs> the middle of the rain and <laughs> said my thing. I, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but something like Hack Myers, I got no problem with you. But Dudley Brothers, I gonna kick you fucking asses. <laughs> And uh, excuse the language, sir, but that's exactly what I said in front of the crowd. It was a, an ECW crowd, and they were just ch- not chomping at the bit for for things like that and for extremity, you know, hitting each other over the head with uh, with pans and things like that, and they want to hear the swearing, the whole thing. So uh, one of the referees at WWE had, had been at that match, that show, and had gone back to Vince and told him about me, or had seen me have my trial and then went to Vince and said, hey, that guy worked his razor remote or a copy or whatever over in ECW, and he got a big pop out of the crowd. So Vince called me a few day, uh, sorry, a few weeks later and said that the people want razor remote back, and I want you as my new razor remote. And we own the copyright and the trademark, and Scott Hall's gone off to WCW, and yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, I, you know, can we call me a razor something else? Or, I was kind of downtrodden about the whole thing. I really wasn't into it. And the only thing was... It was my first opportunity and may have been my last opportunity to ever wrestle in the World Wrestling Federation. So if I said no then, hey, I may never go there. And um, I figured, well, I'm going to have to go along with this. So I did. And that's the whole anticlimactic story. <laughs> now, now, refresh my memory. How long were you there as the fake Razor? I mean, how long did they use you as that character? Well, I was there for a year under contract, and then Brett punched out Vince, and that whole schmoz happened, and all the right. Canadians after that, if you may have noticed, were not on contract anymore. And I was one of those Canadians. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wasn't laughing about it at the time, believe me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was for a year contract, and then they, they sent uh, Kane, who was wrestling as a second diesel with me as a tag team partner at the time, over to USWA and over to Mexico, and sort of buried us away for a while. And I think that uh, because Kane, Glenn Jacobs, was in real tight with the Southern guys, and, and he had been there for a while as Isaac Yankin before as well, he brought him back under a mask. But I think if they brought both of us back under masks, it, people would be able to tell, right? And they, they still had a pretty good idea, a lot of them, I think, but at the same time, he pulled it off. And, and I was a Canadian, so I was just out of the picture, and that was that. Now, I, I can remember you being, I remember that first night when you debuted uh, back in 96 yeah. when, I guess that was when Jim Ross had basically initiated his heel run for the first time, uh, bringing out you and, and, of course, Diesel. And I think you guys were on TV for what, I, I'm going to say about six, seven, eight months. I think you, weren't you guys on, on the card at WrestleMania that, that next year? No, I don't think we were on WrestleMania. Okay. But you, well, we were in, um, uh, in your house, pay-per-views. We're on Survivor Series. Uh, a whole bunch of pay-per-views. Now, the match that really stands out to me, and I'm sure it's probably one of your favorite matches, would be the tag team match you had with uh, with Brett and Owen, or excuse me, with Davey and Owen. Yeah, it was fantastic. Owen called pretty much the whole match, and 
he was the ring sergeant there for sure. But talk about it just natural ring psychology, him and Brett. I mean, I think it runs in their bloodlines, but beyond that, if you watch something since you're two or three years old and now you're about 30 years old, you're going to be good at it, you know? Uh, but his natural athleticism and Davey's natural athleticism, strength, wow. He, I remember he picked me up. I was still about 275 at the time, and he just picked me up like I was a sack of potatoes and threw me over his shoulders. And I never had somebody just pick me up like I was a, a kid, you know, and run and do a power slam with me. Here I am, six foot six and, you know, 275 pounds, and I'm still standing on my feet. Next thing I know, I'm up on his shoulders going, holy crap, how'd I get here? <laughs> but the timing was <laughs> The timing of the match was exquisite. And even the finish, you know, nobody likes doing a job, I don't think, on natural, international TV. But, um, and we were supposed to get a push. The rumor was that we were going to get the tag team champion belt somewhere along the line. And then we were really going to get pushed. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I heard a rumor that Davy Boy really wasn't into that and wasn't willing to do it. But who knows, right? The politics of it. Uh, but the uh, the bit where I set Owen Hart up, sorry, Davy Boy up for the the Razor's Edge there, threw my arms out. Owen came along for the spin kick. The timing was just exquisite. I fell back. Davy flipped over. Pin one, two, three. I get up, going, "What the hell just happened?" And uh, I watched it afterwards, and I thought, man, it could not have been done any better. No, that, that was a great right. match. It was a lot of fun, yeah. Now, my question being a huge, huge fan of the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, did you ever talk to Scott? Has anything ever been said between the two of you over you doing that? I mean, has he just let it go, or was there any animosity? Do you know of anything? I don't know if there was or not really, you know, it was so far away from me that in a sense, you got to do what you got to do. And I kind of didn't care. Um, I was going to do my job and do it the best I could. And wherever they go, they go, whatever they do, they do. You know, I think they're probably right. thinking the same way. Well, here's these new guys. I mean, it's pretty, at that point in time, it's pretty much impossible to fill Scott Hall's boots. He was so huge. And Kevin Nash, I mean, it was just a preposterous idea, really. Uh, how can you expect any any newcomers to ever step into, you know, it's like making a fake Hulk Hogan, too, when he's on top. How, how are you going to do that? You know, people are just going to look at it and sneer. And yeah. so if you can't see that in advance, the only thing I was hoping was we, we could sort of evolve the characters and sort of shift the name or put more importance on one name or even drop the Ramon off Razor or vice versa. Something like that. And they turn it into long pants and then grow the hair, even cut the hair, grow the hair, whatever, right? Change it all up and um, and make it, you know, an original character gradually. But they didn't want, they weren't interested in doing that with us either. So obviously, you know, there was just that, that whole idea right from the start to the finish is that we just want to get under their skin and, and play God and say that I, I created you and then that's it. It was all an ego trip, and it had nothing to do with good business, right? No, absolutely. And, and, sorry, Trey. I was going to say, absolutely, you're right. I mean, it didn't have anything to do with good business. It was kind of a rip on uh, both Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And if you think back to a lot of the Japanese wrestling, uh, you know, you've had guys like Tiger Mask in the past who have been able to come in under a mask, and it's been different people uh, through the lineage mm -hmm. of Tiger Mask. I mean, but you didn't have that benefit you know, obviously Razor Ramon was not a masked character. So 
I really felt like they dropped the ball with you guys uh, in that particular situation. Yeah, they could have done other things, and you know, wish wish I could have, would have, should have, all that stuff. Now, I mean, it's more than ten years later for me. I it doesn't phase me at all. At the time, it was you know, fairly upsetting, of course, but uh, I know they could have done something if they decided to take it in a totally different direction, um, but they didn't. So, and so, kind of going back to the question, sorry guys, it, really to be very direct with that question, I think Scott at least knew how big he was and was totally confident in that. And just saw a couple of guys that were kind of just trying to copy his stuff, and it was uncopyable. So he just probably shrugged it off, I imagine. <laughs> now you you were able right. to you were able to rebound off this, go to Japan for a little while, and you were actually part of the NWO Japan angle. Yeah, isn't that funny? Eh? Coincidental. Um, I, and one of the things that did help me get into New Japan Pro Wrestling, which was in my opinion, literally the top promotion in the whole world at that time. It was amazing getting into there. I worked for Onita's company in FMW for a few years, and I uh, worked for Tenru and WAR as well. And they were pretty substantial. They were good, you know, but these guys were great. I mean, they, they paid me more money than I'd ever made in my career. They traveled us around in the NWO bus everywhere. They paid for our hotels. They treated us like kings. We were on TV every week out there. We were super, super mega stars over in Japan, and um, and I got to play my own character. You know, I finally got to grow my hair, or grow a goatee, or look the way I want to look. And I did end up putting on long pants then, and and uh, got a really cool outfit from New Japan that they had done up. I think it cost something like three or four grand to actually put that thing together, and they paid for it all and developed the whole new character on me. But it was sort of the they they rode off the wave of this ex WWF guy, sort of like NWO in the states rode off another or whichever ex WWF guys, and they turned me into that. But I also had a really big name in Japan as Big Titan, so you know everyone in Japan in the wrestling circles already knew who I was, and it was it was cool for them to see me coming back there. So it was sort of a double thing, you know, a big comeback, and then also hey, he's been to the WWF and we. we so happy to have him back in our country. Very cool. Now, I, I wanted to ask you real quick. I, I know we don't have a lot of time here left with you, but uh, what exactly made you decide, and I've known you for years, but what exactly made you decide to sit down and actually write a book? I think it was um, it was coming over, you know, it was years coming. I'd, I'd finished the wrestling business. Um, I'd cracked a couple of vertebrae in my neck. I wasn't in a really good place. I didn't know how I was going to make money or make a living after that. I just went from job to job. And and so um, I, I, well, I picked up the Book of the Buddha in Japan. That was a start. And then I started reading more on Taoism and yoga and Buddhism when I came back into North America and started practicing more and more meditation. And I thought, well, this is really amazing because I used to psych up like Bill Goldberg did in Japan. I'd bang my head off the lockers and get myself into a big huff and start jogging on the spot and doing push-ups and sit-ups and squats and uh, just getting right cycle before I went to the ring because it was a lot harder hitting out there too. You had to really take a heavy shot and yet you better get your adrenaline up pretty good so you don't feel that pain when you're out in front of the, the crowd. And then I thought when I came back here, I still had this sort of, I'd step through doorways and feel a bit of anxiety and I knew it was because I'd step through doors out to my job for 10 years now 
to a massive audience screaming and yelling at fever pitch. And so I, I had that weird conditioning to where I get weird butterflies in my stomach. And I'm just going into a workplace. I was personal training. You know, you're not supposed to feel like that when you're walking through a doorway like that. No. <laughs> so I knew I had some conditioning and I wanted to get rid of that conditioning. I thought, well, if there's a way that I could psych up so much that I feel no pain, I'm literally dripping with sweat and I'm half near psycho, there's got to be another way that I can take my mind, <clears throat> calm it down, breathe it, breathe deeply in and out and change my physiology again and get into a mental state of total peace that there's got to be a way. So I kept studying that and I practiced under a monk for three years, a Buddhist monk and kept reading all kinds of different self-improvement things too. I learned how to control my mind better so that I could get, well, after wrestling in Japan and, and balancing for 10 years too, I had a little bit of anger issue happening over the, you know, two years following, I think too. So I wanted to get rid of that and I learned to, you know, I'd say in the high 90 percentile, I got rid of all my anger. I almost never get angry, which is quite amazing looking back 10 years ago. And uh, so I decided I'd write about the contrast of that and how to control your mind and talk about the psychology of being in the ring and what it feels like to have a really stiff, hard-fought match and then talk about what it takes to sort of get rid of all your anger in that mental state, which is a really highly developed mental state. It takes a lot of work to get there. People think that that should be easy, and I'll just decide one day to get rid of it. It's as hard as quitting drinking if you're an alcoholic. It's as hard as quitting smoking it, you know, or obesity. All that stuff, it's extremely difficult to do when you're conditioned that heavily to have anger issues. So uh, I'll do a shameless plug. It's RazorRickTitan.com if you want to buy the book Wrestling with Consciousness. And it's all about consciousness, but it tells a lot about the stories of wrestling and being conscious and aware as to what was you know, how the system really works there, and then the opposite system of that, too. And they really kind of brighten up the truth and the reality of both situations. Uh, you mentioned FMW. I mean, you were a longtime tag partner of a former ECW champion and former WWE talent, uh, Mike Awesome. Yes. I mean, you guys you guys kind of reminded me of, uh, of a newer version of the old Blade Runners, you know, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior back in the day when you guys were face-painted and you were just these huge gargantuan guys yeah i appreciate that that was part of the idea i mean we both had really loved the road warriors before that and i always thought sting was really cool and that uh, ultimate warrior was cool too and and um again it, it was 1991 when i first broke into there and i think even by that time the face paint thing was becoming fairly uncool in the states <laughs> and in japan it was still sort of well we've got these new fresh guys that are now about 285 pounds, just solid muscle. And we really took care of ourselves, and they could tell. We were super conditioned. Our cardio was really terrific. And, uh, and bench pressing about 400 pounds and squatting about 500 pounds. We were legit real strong and legit real tough. I was bouncing in between tours at that time still and just chucking guys out left, right, and center because I was so strong. And uh, fortunately, I can say in 10 years, never lost a fight either, but I... I say that there's some uh, divine intervention going on there too <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah it was a lot of fun out there even some of the fans in, in japan that have found out about my book have um, said that they enjoyed watching me in the early 90s and mid 90s and what a what a great memory that was for them to have us as a tag team out there there's a lot of synergy going on between mike and i and 
you know, it's really sad what happened with him. And that's uh, going back double G, JJ, I should say, to that. Um, it, it, it's part of one of the reasons why I wrote the book, too, so I could go into things such as a Chris Benoit incident and, and maybe touch on an area of where their mind went at certain points where everything just seemed hopeless, like it was just going down the tubes and life was becoming close to over for them. And all that despair and that and that self-criticism and, and that hopelessness and, and the anger and the toxicity that goes along with that mental state. And with, you know, what I've written in my book, um, is there's some instruction as to how to get out of those states. But you really have to go a lot deeper than that, too, and do a lot of different practices. But I think the book would be good for people, maybe in a situation that they're sliding downhill and they're trying to grab back onto their own personal pride and dignity and, and things like that and give them a few tools as to how to start working on that again and pull themselves out of a, a bit of a slump or even sliding into a hole. That's my hope for the book is that it changes people's lives. And uh, once again, you said you could uh, you could get a copy of the book at your website. It's actually RazorRickTitan.com. Okay, RazorRickTitan.com. We'll be sure and post the the link for, from the recap of the interview uh, to kind of get people going your way to the website. Now, you do have some appearances coming up here in Alberta. You're going to be special uh, special guest referee for uh, for a few matches upcoming. You want to talk about that really quickly? Yeah, I was going to show up in Red Deer, actually. Vance Nevada is putting it on, and he's doing really well promoting his book, Wrestling in the Canadian West, too. So I'll be going up there. And funny enough, I've got a, a speech over at Rundle College just before that. So I'll be speaking there, and then I'll be going up and doing a book signing and who knows what else that day. And also uh, December 12th, there's going to be a show, the Teal Fista uh, Championship is going to be here in Calgary as well, and Ram Dante is going to be headlining that one. I believe Vance Nevada is in that one as well. Well, Rick, i tell you what I'm going to do. Because I think, you know, if it was just you and I on the phone, I could sit here and talk to you for about 20 hours and pick <laughs> your brain. Um, what I want to do is I want to go to your website, get a uh, graphic of the book, and put it on the front page of my website, wrestlingnewslive.tk, for a couple Great. weeks and link straight to your website for you. That would be terrific. Thank you. Uh, a lot of people are starting to pick up the book as uh, a Christmas gift. And I'll also be having some MP3s. A lot of my stuff is going to be relating a little bit more to the personal development. So uh, in a sense, some wrestling fans are a little bit turned off. They think it's maybe a little too fluffy for them. But I, I always try to include it to be for the everyman. So you're in a basic life situation. Here are some tools. Hope they work well for you. Since you've released the book earlier this year, you have been just everywhere. Uh, I mean, you are getting a lot of promotion. You're doing all kinds of book signings, all kinds of events. So I wish you luck in the sale of the book. I've yet to pick up a copy, but it is on my list. I will be checking it out in the very near future. Uh, before we let you go, is there any way I can get you to drop a liner for me? This is Razor Rick Titan. You're listening to Wrestling News Live on the SNS Network. Awesome, Rick. I appreciate it, buddy. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you in the next couple of days, and uh, I'll probably end up going to the show here in town. So uh, I will probably see you then, my friend. Good luck with the book. We're definitely going to put the uh, the link up to the website of WrestlingNewsLive.tk and throw uh, some hits your way, my friend. Great. Thanks, guys. 
appreciate it very hey, Rick, much. We, we, we want to have you back on here as soon as possible, too, because, like I said, um, just with the, the, the motivational speaking and the things you do outside of wrestling, um, I could sit here and pick your brain for hours. But uh, definitely been a pleasure talking to you for the first time, and I wish you the best of luck. You as well. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much, guys. All right, Rick. We'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, guys, that was Razor Rick Titan, formerly of the WWE. I like guys like that. Now a motivational speaker and author, Wrestling with Consciousness. Definitely check out the book. It's well worth the read, and he's an interesting guy, and he's got a lot of stories to tell. I, uh, When I say I want to pick his brain, I mean that in two ways. Um, holy cow. I'm, you're not going to believe what I just saw. I'm watching Universal HD. They just showed Jeff Hardy promoting SmackDown. What? <laughs> I swear to God. That's what I just saw. Anyway, um, I, I think in the future, and people have asked this before, and I always made a joke about it because I thought, why would why that would be boring? But it always seems like I find I've got a story to tell about something that happened during an episode of Wrestling News Live. People have asked in the past for us to do a book on the history of Wrestling News Live and the stories and you know what goes on on a Monday before we go on the air. You guys have no idea. You know, now today's a bad example, but a lot of times JJ and I talk ten times a day on a Monday. Hey, here's an idea. Here's what I want to do. I don't like that. What about this? Yeah, I like that. Let's try this. Why don't we try this? Do this. You know, we got a guest. We don't have a guest. Whatever. You know, and a lot of people have said they want to hear that kind of stuff and what we talk about. Now, I'm thinking in the future, it would be good to have somebody close to the Wrestling News Live family that has put a book out and knows what they're doing to help us put one out called The History of Wrestling News Live. It's not a bad idea. So, I mean, one of these days... But I enjoyed that. I, I mean, I, I could sit here literally and talk to Rick for hours upon hours upon other about other things and, you know, what was it like then? What was it like when you did that or this? You know, those are the kind of guys you want to talk to. No, you're right. Uh, Rick's a very interesting guy. Like I said, I've known him for the last four years, and every time we've gotten together and talked, and there's been some, you know, really somber, you know, occasions. Uh, unfortunately, you know, his good friend Bad News Allen and a good friend of mine passed away back in – 2007 literally just days before jsk passed away right and uh you know we got a chance to talk at the funeral of that and, and i mean it's you know he's been around a long time and he's he's enjoying a lot of success recently with this book and uh i just you know i wish him the best and we'll definitely bring him back on the show sounds good where are we going now sir i think we're gonna try and take a, a break as long as uh winamp continues to work which is what's weird is i have two winamp windows and one of them won't close Nice. Yeah, got to love that shit. So if we do lose the stream, it'll be back up momentarily. But uh, let's go ahead and take our last commercial break, come back, do some Raw, and then kind of break into some TNA talk. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. With that said, we'll be back with more Wrestling News Live. I have blind tears in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. to keep you safe but when rules start getting broken you start questioning your faith i have a voice that is the savior hates to lie 
Bloodsworth is a real WWE customer, not a superstar. So to help tell her story, we hired Hacksaw Jim Duggan. This weekend was Black Friday, and the malls were packed. Ho, ho, ho! I didn't know what to get my family, so I clicked on WWEshop.com, where they have all the latest WWE merchandise ready to ship. Why they quit making those foam 2 by 4s anyway? The kids really loved them. Tough guy! I took care of my entire family in just under 10 minutes without leaving the house. This is a great country or what? USA! WWEshop.com. Real superstars. Real savings. Does listening to Wrestling News Live make you a smarter, more knowledgeable wrestling fan? Would the Trey Dog drink Velvet Sky's bathwater? <sighs> well, hello there, Velvet. some good bath water, baby. Ow. Listening to Wrestling News Live does make you a smarter, more knowledgeable wrestling fan, although it will not save you any money on your car insurance. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay of Sunday Night Showdown. If you're looking for the latest wrestling news on the World Wide Web, you should check out www.fromheadlockstoheadlines.com. It's the official news source for Sunday Night Showdown, and you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.fromheadlockstoheadlines.com. This is WWE TLC. Tables, ladders, and chairs. TLC is higher risk. TLC is anything goes. TLC is no holds barred. TLC is the one night in WWE where everything is legal. WWE TLC. Live Sunday, December 19th on Pay-Per-View. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new Wrestling News Live. And now, here are your hosts, The Trade Dog and JJ Sexay of SundayNightShowdown.com. You can't see me, my time is In case you forgot or fell off, I'm still hot, knock your shell off, my money stacked back. Alright guys, we're back, Wrestling News Live, right here, the SNS Radio Network. Mr. Money on the mic, JJ Sexay, and of course... The outlaw of the IWC, the Trey Dog, 
Just hanging out. Just hanging out. Talking, just chilling. Talking shop. Moderate, moderating the old chat room. What's going on sometimes, in the old chat room? Sometimes I got to raise my pimp hand. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. What's going on now? Oh, I just got a couple chatters I'm going to put in separate corners of the sandbox. We got drama again? Drama. Save the drama for your drunk-ass mama. That's right. To be honest with you, Raw tonight was kind of a blow-off to me. Other than the first segment and maybe the ending with John Cena, it was just a, a fluff filler show, wouldn't you agree? We start things off, obviously, with, uh, with Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler talking in the ring about why Michael Cole screwed him over last week, saying basically that it was he got caught up in the heat of the moment and he's been the only one to support the Miz and all this and that and uh, the GM. What did come, you think of this? You know what? I liked it. I, I didn't have a problem. I loved with it. it. I, I really thought that it had a good flow to it. I love the fact that the Raw GM chimed in and said, "Hey, you know, uh, you guys are not going to beat each other up. You're both going to be fired. We're not going to do best that." Float, the best line of that whole thing was CM Punk when Lawler stood up and said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And he got up and uh, CM Punk goes, well, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> that was some pretty good stuff. That yeah. or I've been wanting to do this my entire life and the GM thing's only been around for a year. Yeah, I like the way he took some shots at Cole. That was some pretty good stuff. <laughs> you know what? I, I really dig CM Punk in this new uh, color commentary role I, I think that he's doing well and when his wrestling career comes to an abrupt end when his entering stuff is done i think he's going to be fantastic behind a microphone oh yeah you got to think if you're a guy on that roster and i thought about the same thing you got to think if you're a guy on that roster and vince comes to you and says okay look i think you're good on a microphone and i think you'd be beneficial to the announce team if you don't jump on that, you're a fucking idiot. Because all that is is a career after wrestling. I agree. That is just extended life after wrestling. Kudos to Punk because he's going to do a great job of it. And I think eventually we'll be, we'll be like Taz. He'll be one of those guys that, you know, he's so good at what he does. Now, on the mic, you kind of forget about how good he was in the ring. You know, and that's true. I mean, he's he's coming into his own. I know he's getting a lot of criticism. People are like, "Oh, well, you know, he's not there yet." Well, neither was JBL. Neither was Taz. It took them a little time, but once JBL J- was horrible. Good I, God, he, I, was, he was god awful at first. But man, he he got so go much back, better. Go back and listen to the commentary just on that first SmackDown versus Raw that he did the game. Even reading the lines for that, he was horrible. Yeah, but it, it took him, what, about a good six months to hit his stride. And once he had that in there, he was awesome. I still think Cole and, and JBL were one of the best announced teams together once he got the, the flow. Yeah. You know, it kind of sucks I, I that, that JBL's not still with the company doing that. It sucks that JBL's not with the company, period, because he should be doing something. I agree. Now, we did see something interesting tonight after, of course, we saw... Jerry Lawler push Michael Cole into Randy Orton, who came down and basically delivered a message to The Miz. Nice RKO to Michael Cole, which took him off the broadcast for the entire night. Thank God. (laughs) How many people in the IWC do you think were happy about that one? Well, we had to do something because we couldn't have the two of them copacetically sitting next to each other all night. It wouldn't have worked. 
I agree. And this was a great way to get Cole off the program. I still think the one thing that segment missed was when they said, okay, doodle-loot, doodle-loot, doodle-loot. You know, there should be no physicality between Jerry and, and Michael. Shake hands. I think at that point, you know, you should have, if, if, you know, fantasy booker here, Magic Ink Pen, look out. I think if at that point you could have had Boomer Sooner come over the speakers and Jim Ross come out and say, well, he can't physically touch him, but by God, I can, and had JR just knock Cole out and assume his position at the table, holy shit. Well, yeah, the internets would blow up if that happened, though. I mean, did you hear how loudly that crowd was chanting Jerry's name? I agree with you. They were. So, I mean, that would have been a great, great segment. That would have been one of the, the history books. Now, the only other interesting things that really happened on the show tonight. Of that was note, it. Good night. Well, no, there was more. There was more. <laughs> um, we got to see the rematch from Superstars between Tyson Kidd and David Hart Smith, both members formerly of the Hart Dynasty. Um, yes. The story here was, you know, of course, David Hart Smith gets the jobber's entrance, uh, has new tights and everything. Going back he's to the, the old, face. he's the baby face in this, which I think is interesting to say the least. Uh, you know, you're, as a baby face, David Hart Smith is not a very good talker, and most people would say he's not very good in the ring. Uh, but Tyson Kidd is a better worker, in my opinion, and right. you know does come off as a better heel. So I think he's going to do well. But I love the dynamic of the fact that he came out with a guy that stands about seven feet tall. Uh, for those of you not knowing who that was, that's FCW talent uh, Jackson Andrews, who he apparently has been like he looked like he looked like a seven foot tall version of Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, kinda, he looked like a seven yeah seven foot tall version of Cameron that looked pissed off and had a little bit of facial hair. Yeah, but uh, I, you know what? I, I'm liking this. I mean, you know, David Artsmith's a big guy. He's like six five. Mays just said it in the chat room. Yes. Reminds me of HBK and Diesel. That's exactly what I thought. Or, you know, you could you could even make the other comparison. Uh, reminds you of Kendrick and Ezekiel Jackson. You don't remember that? Yeah, but it reminded me nothing of those two. Well, I mean, it was very short-lived. We'll see how this translates. I mean, initially, when Ezekiel came out with Brian Kendrick, I made the Shawn Michaels-Diesel comparison, too. But time will tell whether this is going to go somewhere or not. I like Tyson Kidd. I know the guy. I know he's going to do great things. I don't think he's ever going to get above mid-card. I'd be surprised if he did. But I think this Jackson Andrews is going to be uh, someone right now that they're grooming for a top spot. I mean, let's face it. The guy's seven feet tall. If he doesn't suck in the ring, he's probably going to have you know, a decent career in the E. I, I just I, I look tonight at... Tyson and the way he moves and the way he wrestles, I see him as that cocky little guy that, you know, will get away with a lot of things because of the big guy behind him. Well, like I said, I want to see this work out. I want to see Tyson Kidd, uh, you know, kind of go up the ladder. Uh, I even want to see David Hart Smith do great things, but I honestly feel that now they've broken that team up, I don't have a lot of high hopes for David Hart Smith at this point. No, and I told you, you know, he said that he was looking to get out of the WWE and go into mixed martial arts. Well, and this this might be his start in doing it, but 
Overall, it was a quick little match between David Hart Smith and Tyson Kidd, but the end came when uh, Tyson Kidd, being the heel, obviously uh, grabbed the tights and got the one, two, three. Of course, David Hart Smith, not happy with that result, puts his hands on the bodyguard, Jackson Andrews, and gets the shit kicked out of him. And the announcers were making very sure to make the point that he did not attack unless he was attacked first. Or, yeah, he, he didn't attack David Hartsmith until David Hartsmith had attacked him. So I like the dynamic there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this because uh, I think they got money on their hands here. Let's just make sure they don't screw it all up. Well, yeah, I mean, the, like really, the best part is Tyson Kidd is not even six feet tall, <clears throat> but you've got him basically uh put together with this guy that's seven feet tall i mean i think that's that's a great dynamic for for both these guys and tyson can talk tyson can talk so we'll see where it goes i'd like to see him talk a little more because i haven't heard him talk a whole lot yet well looks like you're going to see the genesis of that right somebody's got to talk between the two yes they do (laughs) i don't see it being jackson andrews but we'll see what happens um, we did have a, uh, a tag team match tonight between four tag teams. Of course, we had uh, the Nexus. We had Cosentino. We had the Usos. And we had Chicken and Rice. <laughs> or Rush Hour, depending on which, which name you wanted to pick from last week's episode of uh, Wrestling News Live. Yoshitatsu and, of course, uh, Kool-Aid, Mark Henry, being called either Rush Hour or Chicken and Rice, which is extremely racist maze <laughs> i love it it's pretty goddamn racist chicken and rice that shit's racist and that was so racist <laughs> you don't even realize it's racist you know uh, somebody needs to check on yoshi because did anybody else see that attempted zigzag that Heath slater did to him i mean his knees buckled back i mean that was an awkward awkward bump it's like he wasn't ready for that position so uh Hopefully, Yoshi doesn't end up with an injury after tonight. That looked really brutal. Yeah, I think Yoshi injured his Tatsu. Probably. But the big thing going on here, I think the Usos were the first ones eliminated. Uh, Then Chicken and Rice. And then it was left down to Costino and the Nexus. I just, I laugh every time I hear that. Chicken and Rice. Wow, that's awesome. And we actually saw John Cena make a run-in, not actually interfere in the match physically, but this caused the distraction, allowing Santino to hit the Cobra on Heath Slater. Cobra! And we have new WWE. This is Sparta! Tag team champions, Costino. So the first, first championship gold for Vladimir Kozlov in his tenure with the WWE. This makes the second championship gold for Santino Morella, former Intercontinental Champion. Now, what's that tell you <laughs> if you're Kozlov and your tag team partner Santino? How excited are you for that? Well, I think they're going to have some good comedy segments with the belt. Don't start writing big checks yet, Kozlov. Yeah, yeah, don't do that just yet. Don't go buy a submarine or anything. Now, of course, uh, I forgot to mention the first match tonight. They did kind of set up an interesting dynamic with Daniel Bryan. Apparently, he's gone from being just the nerd that Michael Cole likes to bash every week to a nerd that has women interested in him. So we've got a feud going on between the Bellas now over Daniel Bryan. What do you think of that? What a lucky fucking dude. Well, there you go. I'm not buying into it, but okay. 
He's the ladies' man. Maybe he's got a huge pecker. Yeah. Didn't work for Lance Storm when he had the you gotta have You got to have a huge pecker if you come out of that music. That music just just dignifies huge pecker. I can't believe you're talking about somebody's package on this show, Trey. Well, I mean, I I, I would say if you if you come out to that music, you have to have a, a big dick. Anyway, moving on, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, we we did have a diva. You, can't have, you can't have a small pecker and come out to that song. You just can't. <sighs> duck people, it's coming back. <laughs> there it is. Whoa, shit, duck. Oh, with that said, we did have a Divas match that was uh, interesting. Natalia taking on Molina. Of course, Lakel at ringside basically, you know, talking their shit. Uh, Natalia gets the win via the sharpshooter. Excuse me, uh, Molina did not want to tap out at first, but had no choice once Natty sat back on the sharpshooter. She tapped like Sammy Davis Jr., only to be jumped by members of Lakel after the match. I can't tell you what I would do to Lakel. It would end up on a porno tape somewhere. That Layla, I don't know what it is about her, but, dude, she is smoking hot. Oh, I know. I, I like Layla. Maybe it's the fact she has the English accent, and I think she's hot, but. That, she's just a bitch. And, you know, I, my dad, who's got a saying for everything, he used to say that, you know how you take the bitch out of a woman? How? <laughs> Life lessons know. on WNL. Life lessons, people. I don't know if I should say this on the air or not. Well, you've already set it up. You may as well. <laughs> I didn't think about that until I got here. My dad concepts already set up the chat room. <laughs> My dad says you can take the biggest bitch in the world and take that right out of her. All you got to do is put your dick in her ass one time. Oh my god! This is Just the X right in the ass. This is the X-rated version of Wrestling News Live tonight, people. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming out. We'll be here all week. <laughs> What's funny is people knew the answer before I even said it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Bunch of sick, fucking, twisted motherfuckers that listen to this show. And I love every <laughs> one of you. You've heard this show before. It's nothing new. Yeah, this is true. This is our, this is our weekly topic. It's I just got a cough drop in my mouth, so I'm, I'm gearing up for the next segment of the show. No, it's going to be interesting, the next segment. Let's see. What else happened on Raw? We actually had Randy Orton return to action tonight after... Uh, after his knee injury a couple weeks after losing the WWE Championship to The Miz, taking on his apprentice, Alex Riley. Very good match. The Miz interfering yeah. in the match, causing the disqualification victory, of course, for Randy Orton. Uh, setting up a table in the ring. Tried to do the uh, skull-crushing finale through the table to Randy Orton. Did not take, however as Orton was able to uh, reverse out of it. Miz ran with his tail between his legs like a scalded dog, as JR would say. And this basically set up the beatdown for Alex <laughs> Riley. The chat room. Smoochie says, tap like Sammy Davis. That's racist. No, it's not, because he fucking tapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but because he's a black guy, it makes it racist. Oh, okay. That could be like saying, that'd be like saying, look, at that Mexican guy eat that burrito. Oh my god, that's racist. But he really is sitting right there eating the burrito, but because he's a oh, Mexican. God it's damn it. I guess I'll fucking change it up. Use my fucking redneck voice and say he tapped like Gene Autry. Is that better? <laughs> is that better? <laughs> why you gotta be a redneck? Why 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 is it that everything's gotta be about a redneck? 
Oh, you want me to use the nerd people voice? That live in, people that live in New York City can be racist, too. Oh, my God. He tapped like Urkel. <laughs> oh, wait. He's black, too. I better not fucking make racist yeah, remarks. He's like that. He's black. That's so racist. You don't even realize it's racist. It's so racist. How can your stream be 15 minutes behind? No stream. Know. No stream is 15 minutes behind, people. I don't know. Maybe he's slow. Maybe he's on that. No, it is Crelly. He's know. he's over there in fucking England. So racist news live. That is not nice. Shame on you. I listened to the Black Eyed Peas. I did till they butchered songs. Actually, I don't. I, I hate the Black Eyed Peas. Well, see, don't be fucking fronting and lying and shit. Don't put that shit on Front Street and not really do it. You don't even know where Front Street is. I live on Front Street, motherfucker. Don't be jiggy. God don't damn. be all dope and like... No, no, I'm not know. dope. Jeff Hardy's got that covered for me. <laughs> I'll never be as dope as Jeff Hardy. I hear that Jeff Hardy called into your show last night. Yeah, somebody claiming to be Jeff Hardy called into the show. I don't really know if it was whoa, Jeff Hardy. Whoa, whoa, I don't know if it was really Jeff Hardy, but I'll tell you what, whoa, man. What movie is this? He did make no fucking sense. I'll put it to you that way. I don't know what I'm watching here, but Elisha Dushku is in a t-shirt and no bra. Wow. Goddamn, I thought the world was coming to an end, and it's just because you're watching Elijah Dushku in a fucking wet t-shirt contest. I'd put it in her dusku, I promise you. I bet you would. Let's let's get back to the show. Come on, man. You know who she's dating? Who's she dating? Rick Fox. Who the fuck is Rick Fox? The pretty boy from the Lakers back when they were good. Or back when they were good before they were bad, before they were good again. Oh shit. Don't ask some celebrity references I got I don't know nothing about. I don't know anything about sports authorities like Hey, I rub players. elbows with the celebs. I guess you hobnob with something. I don't know. I am an A lister and I will drop some names. God damn. I can't think of the name of the hot bitch I talked to all night last night on Twitter, but she was hot as shit. Goddamn, Crelly must be 15 minutes behind. He's, he's just now talking about Layla. Crelly could be on time and be late. His fucking brain. I think, you know when you go to school too much and you got too much during the day and it just piles on you and piles on you and finally you have a nervous breakdown? Crelly's going to be on a fucking wanted poster at the post office before the semester's up. You yes, Gene right. Autry was a cowboy. Did you seriously just get that question? Yeah, <laughs> Smoochie just said that in the chat room. God damn. That's some but fucked yeah. up shit. Did you, <laughs> did, did, did you see the gear that Seamus came down with tonight? What in the blue hell is <laughs> up with that crown? I almost wish I could talk to Evan O'Brien or Dara O'Connor or someone from Ireland to tell me what the fuck Seamus killed and put on this fucking crown? It looked like he had a crown of antlers or something. I, yeah, I, did, is that what your people of authority wear over there? Like, he looked like a a Irish superhero or something. Like, he was, you know, Irishman or oh, some shit. Rodriguez has it in the chat. He looked like a mage. Like a mage from World of Warcraft. I was marking out for the shillelagh, though. Oh, I didn't notice the shillelagh. Yeah, instead of a scepter, he had a fucking shillelagh. So apparently they're they're recouping or they've got him a newer shillelagh than the one Finley used to use. I'm going to look forward to Triple H whipping his ass in that gay shit and Triple H coming out in the real King of Kings gear. Fella, I'm a King of Kings fella. 
your king gear makes you look like a, a princess. You know, he was wearing so much green, I was almost wondering if the hurricane was going to come out and be like, stand back, there's a hurricane coming through. I'm going to use my hurra powers to beat you. I'm going to whip your ass, HBK. I you fake poser. I would have loved to have, quite frankly, seen the hurricane come out and then Seamus just give him the bro kick. That would have been awesome. I wonder if that Hardy Boys video that's so popular on the internet right now would have kept playing if Hurricane Helms would have popped up and said, I made you a motherfucking superstar, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, then we'd know he's fucking high. That's no, going to dress us up like a superhero. He's already high. True that. But, uh, of course, we get John Morrison coming out, interrupting the newest, the newest king or crying or whatever. And basically, Seamus says, you're going to bow down and kiss my feet. John Morrison says, no, that's not going to happen. <clears throat> and beats the living hell out of Seamus with his shillelagh and destroys the, uh, the chair. His throne, if you will. That's not cool. So it looks like the feud between the King of Ireland, Seamus, and the Shaman of Sexy will continue. Dun, dun, dun. Until, until Triple H gets in the mix. Yes, until Triple H gets in the mix, which should be very soon. But that's pretty much it for, uh, for Monday Night Raw, except for the fact that John Cena came out he was called out by the neck or he was called out by wade barrett you, oh what did you say he was called out by the necker what the nexus you almost said necker no i was gonna say nexus and i rewind quit, it quit trying mark, to blah, 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 blah. Mark, tape, mark tape you almost said the necker <laughs> you're trying to be racist anything wrong with that that's not racist because right. i don't know what a necker is but. you're trying to make it sound racist you son of a bitch but it sounds racist. Whatever it is, you shouldn't say that. Okay, I'm sorry. I sorry, Daddy. No, can't say that either. That's racist. Oh my God! I I think that uh, here's a little preview for this Friday on uh, on Unplugged. What? I think we're gonna have the return of a very popular segment What's on Unplugged that? this week. I think Lexi's World's coming back this week. Oh no! Yes, Lexi's World coming back. And I say this because my middle child, Sienna, actually ordered a WWE package. She got the John Cena experience, complete with the DVD, uh, the armbands, the purple T-shirt that says Never Give Up. And she's been on Cloud9 since, uh, since she got it. Of course, she spent all weekend watching it. And, of course, Lexi, being a John Cena fan, watched it with her, of course. Oh, yeah. And... When I was taking Harmony to work today, in the car, she told us the whole way to work about the John Cena experience. Is it an experience? It, it is an experience. Okay. So I think that Lexi's World is going to make its return this Friday night. I'm going to sit down this week and tape Lexi's World with her because I want to get her input on what she thinks about the John Cena experience. I want her DVD review. Oh, you're going to get it, my friend. You're going to get it. And I want you to tell her that you were on live radio and you used the word necker. Okay. I'll, I'll let her know that. And say, Daddy's a racist. She'll probably say, oh, Daddy. Bad Daddy. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, the final segment of Raw saw John Cena called out by Wade Barrett and the Nexus. <laughs> I want to make sure that I... Clear the air here. The Nexus. 
hate the Nexus. It's late, motherfucker. Anyway, calls him out, basically says, I'm the only person that can give you your job back. And, of course, John Cena runs down the list of why you should give him his job back because he has all this free time on his hands, and he's just going to keep beating the Nexus up until uh, finally he says, Oh, is that a threat, John Cena? Are you threatening me? Nexus, get in the ring and kick his horse. That's a good way to bear it right there. I don't care who you are. You can't see me, Cena. So anyway, uh, the Nexus one by one start to walk away with, with Husky Harris leading the charge. Uh, David Otunga, the last one to walk to the back, leaving Wade Barrett all by himself to get trounced by John Cena. And at the very end, he gets put through the announce table that CM Punk and, of course, Jerry Lawler are sitting at with a big attitude adjustment through the table. And this pretty much ends Monday Night Raw for tonight. Now, I got to ask you, Trey, do you think they're just blowing this spot? Is it going too, too, too soon? Should they be holding out for at least another month or two? I really think if John Cena is supposedly fired, then you really need to give this angle time and maybe not even bring him back to, say, the Royal Rumble. I think, for what it's worth, that they have totally butchered the fuck out of this entire storyline. And I tell you that I think there's more to it than you know. And if it were done correctly, when Wade Barrett fired Cena, he would have missed about a month or two of TV. But that just tells me that the WWE is afraid to put Monday Night Night or put Monday Night Raw on the air without John Cena. Yeah, you're about 10 years too late there for Monday Night Nitro there, Trey. I was reading in the chat room. They're talking about the Nitro DLC. Which, if you haven't seen that, go to our uh, our sister site, our affiliate, cause.ws, and check out the forum post there. Uh, they show you the pictures, obviously, the DLC. Somebody's leaked this stuff. The Nitro Arena looks fucking awesome. I, I cannot wait to use that. But as far as the John Cena thing goes, they have butchered this whole thing. And at this point, they've butchered it so badly. Their best bet is to get out of it and abort just as quickly as possible and get back to business. I mean, the right thing to do would have been to fire John Cena, keep him off TV for a couple months, and brought him back. But they're just too afraid to do Monday Night Raw without John Cena on TV. I just love the fact that he, you know, being fired can buy tickets and not sit in his seats and interfere. Well, I mean, it just kills the wrestling business as far as stipulations are concerned. I don't care what a stipulation is anymore. I don't believe it. Loser leaves town, you know, whatever. I'm not buying it. It's whatever they want to do the next night anyway, so who gives a shit? Well, you got they, a point they, there. They, they have really ruined... They have really ruined the stipulation on shit like that. Well, <clears throat> I would agree with that, but that pretty much is your raw review for tonight. Sorry that we're not uh, totally in depth with it, but I want to move on because we're running uh, we're running short on time, and I want to I want to really talk about last night. We didn't get a chance to do a post show for the pay per view last night, and I actually went today and rewatched that main event from last night. Why I put myself through that torture, I, I'll never understand. But I did rewatch last night's main event between Jeff, I don't smoke any dope party, and Matt, I'm not ready for the main event, Morgan. And 
I stick by my decision last night. That pay-per-view, with the exception of one match, AJ Styles and Doug Williams. Douglas. Was not a very good pay-per-view. You know, the Motor City Machine Guns and Generation Me was so contrived and it looked so much like the TLC match uh, that you had back at WrestleMania 2000 from them, you know, building their own scaffold above the ring to reach the tables. And See, then, I thought it was okay. And, I didn't have a problem with that. And then they didn't even build it sturdy enough that once Saban actually grabbed the belts, he damn near killed himself falling off the table because it wasn't very sturdy. Fall. They should have. He's fucking velvet sky. Fuck him. Now, there you go. Let him fall. But, you know, there were spots in that match that I just shook my head, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? As a wrestling fan, you totally showed the world how much of a work this is. The spot where Shelly, I believe, or was it Saban, actually has one of a generation me. I think it's, I believe it was uh, Max, if I'm not mistaken. Max is the dark hair. Jeremy is the uh, the blonde-headed. The dark-headed guy, Max, I believe, was being held by Chris Saban. Alex Shelley throws a fucking chair (laughs) to Max Ruby, or excuse me, Max Buck. He catches the fucking chair and holds it there for like 30 seconds before Shelley decides to go, or before, uh, yeah, Shelley decides to hit the the fucking chest breaker through the chair. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? There were some bad spots, but there were some good spots. That wasn't the be-all, end-all killer in the pay-per-view. No. But it didn't help. Well, no. I mean, all we saw was really a highlight reel of fucking flippy, flippy, fucky spots. There was no psychology to that match. There was no psychology to that match whatsoever. You know, I. You know what? I was okay with the the women's hardcore match. I like the ending to that. That actually ended in the men's room. That was kind of funny. Pretty sure that's not for us. It was good for us watching on TV. It was horrible for you if you were there in the crowd. Or if you were in the stall taking a shit. Wait or, a minute, though. Or if Who you... the fuck goes and buys a ticket to go to the goddamn pay-per-view to go sit in a stall with a newspaper and read it like you're trying to catch up on last week's sports and take a shit during the pay-per-view? Well, brother, it was the bathroom break. The women were wrestling. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, no. I mean, obviously there were plants. Those guys weren't really using the bathroom, but... Oh, don't say that. that I know, I know, I know. It does kind of fuck it up, doesn't it? Sorry. I hate to, like, deflate everybody's perception of professional oh, yeah? wrestling. Oh, yeah? Well, fuck you. There's no Santa Claus. What? I hope your fucking kids heard that. There's no Santa Claus. Uh, you done I'll fucked make, up my shit. I'm going to make sure they don't listen to the show now. God damn it. Uh, you know, and, and two, here's another thing. They've had this feud with uh, with Max and Ruby for how long? A couple of months? And they came away from the pay-per-view not even getting a win out of this. I mean... What the fuck? Who calls himself Ruby? <laughs> Dude, Max and Ruby is a kid's show. I'm just making fun of them. It's really Max and Jeremy Buck. But I call him Max and Ruby. the fuck is a Max and Ruby? I was like, oh, yeah, what's he talking about? It's a fucking cartoon show for kids, man. If you had kids, you'd know, but you don't. So. I guess. But anyway, I call him Max and Ruby. So anyway... um. God, I don't know, man. I, I just, I literally paid the money last night, and I'm to the point now where, come January, I'm not paying any more money 
for this company. I have paid my fucking dues. I have bought every pay-per-view from TNA Wrestling since about 2007. And you know what? I'm fucking tapped out. Uh, I would love for somebody to come in and tell me why I should continue to spend my money and watch it go down the tubes when this company just gets progressively worse every fucking time I watch it. I have tried to support. I have tried not to hate. But the thing that pisses me off more than anything is that you got this company called TNA and they want to be a professional wrestling company. But they don't know how to be a professional wrestling company. For starters, do you see Vince McMahon making the guy that's got a fucking court case and could be a felon and could be going to prison soon as the world heavyweight champion? No, you do not. He shows up to the fucking show and he's fucking high. Don't give me this bullshit that he's fucking jet lagged and he's tired from being in Abu Dhabi. Or however you've the fuck been, you pronounce you've it. To, you've never been to Yabba Dabba Doo. You don't know how far away that is. Well, then, how about the other people that went there, too? How come they weren't tired and exhausted? Because they weren't the ones fucking smoking opium and doing the goddamn drugs before his match. Don't give me that shit. Just another reason why TNA will never succeed. Because they make stupid fucking decisions. Like, I just don't get it, Trey. I, I don't understand. They should have made an example of that shit last night and pulled that title off of him. Did I want to see Matt Morgan win the belt? Not particularly. But it would have been a statement. I know Flair 16 times getting his panties in a bunch. Dude, I don't know what to tell you. I'm jaded with this product. I have given it well, chance after chance after chance. I'm not trying to be like everybody else and dog the shit. But there comes a time when you got to open your eyes and say, what the fuck? And this I mean, time is to, now for I me. Have to I have to ride in here usually on my white horse and save the company. And I know that's what you guys are expecting me to do. But I don't know that I can. I watched the show last night and I literally came home, got on the computer, and read, if I read one, I read 300 comments of people saying what they like and what they don't like and what's wrong with TNA. And to me, it's all very fixable things. If you're going to sign a guy like Jeff Hardy, let's just break it down for what it is. And, J.J., this is what I was trying to say last night, and I think you kind of missed my point. Okay. You said they should just get rid of Jeff and not put him on TV. And you're right. I agree with you. They should, but they can't because they're not dealing with the same checkbook that the WWE is. And they've already paid this guy. They've already written this guy a contract guaranteeing him money. He's not on a per-show deal. He's getting his money whether he's on TV or not. Okay. Now, now, the problem is you just don't sign a guy like that to that kind of contract, and that's where you, that's what you probably meant to say. Well, and, and I see your point, but there is this thing in, in sports contracts, and I'm sure that it, it applies to wrestling in some form. Maybe I'm wrong here. 
But a lot of people have morals clauses in their contracts. Right, and you would think a guy with a notorious drug history like Jeff Hardy, that would be in his contract. But by the same token, if you're TNA and you're that hungry to get that guy, and he says, look, I'm not signing that until you take the drug clause out. TNA's hungry enough and and trying to, you know, get over so, so badly, they'll sign that. They'll go ahead and take that drug clause out. You know what I mean? Well, they want him that bad. I see your point. And here's my thing. I don't understand why they want him that bad. Let's let's put aside the fact that Jeff Hardy was the biggest wrestling superstar for the WWE in the year 2009. Let's run back about five years when Jeff Hardy was working for TNA Wrestling. I listened to the Christmas Craptacular from 2005, the very first one. And in that fucking show, it was a good show. you guys were talking about the fact that Jeff Hardy had no-showed some events for TNA Wrestling. Should they let him go because he's a merchandise seller, what should they do? So we're talking five years ago. And he's still repeating the yeah. sins of the past where he's either not showing up to events, he's showing up drunk or high, and you've got the World Heavyweight Championship on him. TNA should have never been that stupid in the first place to well, sign a guy you're right. that was under a fucking drug felony charges for trafficking with the intent to distribute, and his, uh, his court was, case is still going on. I mean, it's just like, stupid. That would have been like signing Nick Hogan to be their bus driver. Amen. Amen. Who doesn't want to hire Nick Hogan to fucking be his bus driver? At this point, maybe Hulk should make him be his personal fucking chauffeur. But, I mean, and I think one of the shows that we did before before that craptacular, uh, Storm and Harris called in, and they were laughing at the fact that Hardy no-showed the pay-per-view, but when they went to the hotel to check in after the show, he was in full gear signing autographs in the lobby. Oh, yeah, because he wanted to at least get paid for that. Like, you know, this company, as much as I try to support them, they don't, I mean, it's like they've got their head up their ass. I, I don't understand how you can have your head so far up your ass that you can't fucking see logic. I mean, I, I thought Dixie Carter was a smart person. You know, and I did, too, and this is what bothers me, and I'll tell you right now. Um, God, I hate, I hate, I hate being everybody else right now but like i was saying the problems within tna are really fixable they really are if tna would just do something but dixie carter bless her heart it's going to be her biggest downfall is that she doesn't have a black enough heart i don't mean that in a racist way either fucking racist she doesn't have, have a dark enough heart to fire somebody. Sorry, real black heart. She doesn't have Are you saying that. she's too white? Huh? She's too white is what you're saying? No, goddammit. I'm saying she's too nice a chick. She's too she's too fucking Mary Poppins and not enough Darth Vader. You know what I mean? No shit. She she doesn't have it in her, apparently to fire somebody for not doing their job. And what what now she's done is she's painted herself into a corner with TNA Originals, TNA 
long timers, WWE castoffs, and WCW killers, and she's got too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And I know that sounds racist too, but, <laughs> no, but we, she's got she's got too many bosses in her ear and not enough people willing to just be fucking employees. You know, and she's getting pulled in a lot of different directions. If she goes with this guy, she's hurting this guy. If she goes with this guy's idea, she's hurting this guy. And she doesn't have it in her to just stand up and say, all right, everybody shut up. It's my goddamn company, and this is the way it's going to be. She doesn't have the knowledge of the wrestling business to know that Russo really is killing her shit. All she knows is that the fans keep saying, fire Russo. And that intrigues her to want to keep him on to try to prove them wrong. And she's going to take her pride and her and her genuineness to the grave with her with that company. I don't even think it's it's a question of Russo. When you look at the people well, in is. charge I right mean, but now. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pyramid scheme. It's a trickle-down effect. You know, when the matches end poorly and the storylines end poorly and you're on a pay-per-view named Final Resolution, not Continuance of the Storyline, because we didn't resolve the goddamn thing last time. Every feud on that pay-per-view will be on this next impact. We didn't finally resolve shit. And so, and like I said, to use that are listening for the first time maybe, this is generally not one of those TNA hate shows that you get everywhere else. We genuinely try to point out the positives, and there are some, but they're being heavily outweighed by the negatives right now, and those negatives could be easily fixed if somebody in that company would just stand up or set down one of the two and listen to its fan base. You know, Matt Hardy gets fired during that whole Lita Edge thing. You know what brought him back? The fans, the internet, the people. Vince listened. The WWE does listen to its crowds and to its people, believe it or not. TNA takes the hearing aid out and wants nothing to do with its fan base. They want to show you that they are smarter than you are. And every time they do, they fuck something up. I mean... Jeff Hardy should be your number one babyface trying to take Immortal out. Not the Antichrist heel of the group. That's stupid. Kurt Angle should be with Dixie Carter trying to get her company back. That's what the fans want to see. It's, it's Wrestling 101, and Rick Titan talked about it tonight. It's the good guys versus the bad guys to where the bad guys have the good guys backed into a corner against all odds, and they come out and they win. That's what people want to see. Quit trying to take the business and turn it upside down and outsmart the business. You're not doing it. You're killing your product. I agree. You want to know, you want to know why your buy rates are so low? Yeah, I think Internet streaming has a lot to do with it. I think another thing that kills it is that you guys are too big for your goddamn britches. TNA used to call my personal goddamn cell phone 
and book my show. Go back when we get Brian from Audio Wrestling, who's who's helping us now. When we get some of those archives, I'm not kidding you. Some of you longtime listeners remember this. Mace, you were there. We would have three TNA people per show. Then they sign a deal with Spike TV, and they want to be the WWE, so they stop booking guests on internet shows because, well, quite frankly, our language is too adult-oriented. Well, you can hit a motherfucker in the back of the head with a chair and put a bullet hole in his goddamn head and watch the blood pour out of it like a fucking coconut, and that's okay, but I can't say kiss my fucking ass. Suck my nuts. And they can promote violence against women, and that's okay. Yeah, you can put a fucking woman in a cage above the ring, and I can't say fuck you, kiss my ass. You know, here I am promoting your product absolutely free of charge, and now you want to pull your talent from the internet because you signed a deal with Spike TV, a network that nobody fucking watches because you're fucking better than we are. Well, look where it's got you. Even your hardcorest of hardcore fans are starting to question why they're a hardcore fan. I know inevitably it's because I like wrestling. But I also don't like slamming my dick in a car door every night, and that's what it seems like I'm doing every Thursday at 8 o'clock. You know, there are things about TNA that I like. There are, there are superstars and there are talent that I want to see go places and I want to see do good things. Kurt Angle's one of them. AJ Styles is another. I like half the uh, the knockouts division. You know, I don't have a problem with Jay Lethal. Hell, I even think Robbie E is quite talented. I mean, there are people on that roster that I can get behind. The problem is I can't watch the shows. I can't tell you how many times I've DVR'd Impact over the last couple of months and how many shows I've sat and watched and just turned the channel or played a game. Because I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. Like, the days of me paying for your pay-per-views until your product improves are done. I'll fucking watch them on a stream if I decide to watch them. It's not easy to kill a fucking hardcore fan. Well, I guess your TNA it is. But it's so fixable, JJ. It's so fixable. Just give the people what they want. And I don't care, like I said before, if you have to come out, Vince McMahon did it with the whole Chris Benoit death and him blowing up in the limousine. He had to come out and announce, last week you saw me blow up, blah, 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 in a limousine. We've decided to kill that storyline due to blah, 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 blah. Sometimes you just got to tell the truth when you've lied and lied and lied and lied and lied. And you've gotten to a point where you can't get out of where you're at. Sometimes one truth will fix the whole thing. And I'm not talking about raw the truth. <laughs> yes. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about getting crunk. I don't think truth could save this product right about now. I think that if Dixie were to come out and say, here's the deal. We tried, we failed. We're starting over. This is the new TNA. Change the logo. Change up the impact zone. 
move things around, give it a new look, take a couple weeks off, start completely fresh with a complete reboot of the product. You can't do that. It, that Why cannot be done. You would have to literally close the fucking thing down and reboot is something else. You would have to let all the title hit. You would have to literally disband the company, become another company, and come back. If you just tried to rebrand it like that, it would fail because people would be, oh, it's still TNA. You yeah, would completely be fucked. That would not work. I say they're fixable. Yeah, so they we're, are, we're, they are fixable, Trey, and I'm going to tell you how they're fixable. Fantasy book here. You're fixable when you get rid of Eric Bischoff, when you get rid of Vince fucking Russo, when you, you get rid of Vince fucking Ho- when you get rid of Hulk fucking Hogan. I don't think you would have to do that. I think you would. Because they're the same fucking cancer that killed WCW. And how they ended all up in TNA, I'll never understand. You got well, a fucking they've... track record of destroying companies and yet, hey, let's bring them in. They're going to bring us to well, to the fucking big time. Yeah, but let's not let's not get too fucking overboard here. You and I both know AOL Time Warner killed WCW. It wasn't Hogan and it wasn't Bischoff. It was the fact that Eric Bischoff didn't have the creative control over characters like True. Hulk Hogan and Kevin but Nash and Scott also Hall. So had no control. Period. When AOL Time Warner came in on their white horse and said, "We're here to save everything, and we don't want wrestling on our television network." Well, that had something to do with it as well. So I mean, let's don't let's don't completely kill Bischoff and Hogan here. Now, with that being said, they are usable products on TV if you do the right thing and you're Dixie and you say, "Look, at the end of the day, it's my money that is going out of the account. At the end of the day, I'm the one paying the bills around here. So by that token, at the end of the day." It's going to be my way or the highway, and here's how things are going to be around here. If you don't like it, by all means, now is your chance to walk out that door. But if you do, you will not come back. And she needs to take control of her own company or quit pretending to be the boss. Oh, she did that. She did that. She said if people didn't like the direction they were going with Hogan, they could leave. Remember that? It was a couple of years well, ago. But she also gave Hogan and Bischoff power. I'm talking about one person in power, that being Dixie Carter. You take the power away from Hogan. You, you take the power away from Bischoff. You can't include them on your, your creative meetings and your booking meetings, but you got to get rid of Russo. You've got to get some new blood in there. And i tell you a guy that would be good to get right now, and you're going to laugh at me, and I think the Internet's going to laugh at me, and I may be stupid for even bringing this up. But it's the number one reason why the company kept him as long as they did, because they felt like he... He might have a creative mind for the business down the road, and that's Matt Hardy. <laughs> I'm laughing at you now, Trey. That's I'm what you need. Bring him, I'm not saying bring him in as the guy, but bring him in and use some of his ideas. Get some new blood in there, some fresh blood. How burnt do you think a guy like Russo has to be after all he did during the Attitude Era to try to get over on WCW? to then going to WCW and trying to get over on the Attitude Era, to then going back to fucking TNA. I'm just thinking... Raven, Raven is a guy out there who's turned to fucking stand-up comedy who's smarter than any motherfucker in the business I've ever met in my life. Wow. I don't know, man. Matt Hardy, booking shit. Yeah, I could just see it now. 
fucking beer money come out, fucking drunk and stone cutting promos. Dude, I mean, I'm telling you, you'd be the Hardy show all over, over. Don't underestimate that guy's mind for the business. I know in the ring he's not the best guy in the ring. I know he's done some stupid shit on the internet, but he's always gotten everything he's wanted because of his brain. He's always been the more boring Hardy, but he's over. The guy does have a brain for the business. I'm sorry, but he does. You may not want to believe it, but he does. Raven is a guy that has forgot more about wrestling than a lot of us even know. I'll back that. I agree with you there. I just I, I have I, sat and talked with the guy and, and thought, holy shit, how are you not writing wrestling? I just, at this point in time, I don't know what they could do to save this product because it's a lot like The well, Rock's movie, try. Faster. Let's try. Let's try to save it. Let's not just throw it under the bus completely. I understand it sucks right now, and I understand that you're disgruntled as a customer. But before we say, fuck it, let's shoot it and, you know, drag it out the pasture and give it the old yeller treatment, let's try to fix this motherfucker. We can do it. But how many times have they tried to fix it? I don't know that they have. I think they just keep putting a Band-Aid over a sore that keeps getting bigger instead of getting stitches, and the Band-Aid ain't holding the, the fucking cut. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they're not really doing anything to help themselves. You know, somebody in the chat room said Hogan's not the problem. Well, he's damn sure not the solution. Well, I mean, what does Hogan bring to the table? He can't wrestle. He can't do anything except be an on-air character. At this point in time, are you interested in Hulk Hogan? What does he bring to the table other than the fact that he was the biggest draw in the 80s? Not a goddamn thing. And no offense to Hulk Hogan. I, was I, a big, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think Hogan's had his time. It had his day. He needs to go. I mean, there's nothing this guy can fucking do that's going to save it. Bischoff, I thought, at one point actually had a decent mind for the business. I think Bischoff is handcuffed. I don't think he has the power and authority that everybody wants to think that he has. I mean, I think that he's a. I think he's a yes man right now, and does he get to throw an opinion in every now and then? Yes, but I can see if you got rid of Hogan, you'd lose Bischoff. But I would actually keep Bischoff around if I could, as the on-air general manager role that he plays so well. I don't know, man. I I just I hate to be so goddamn negative, but after that pay-per-view last night. I mean, that to me, that's probably one of the worst pay-per-views this year by TNA, and that's saying something. And I think that you're misled a little bit because every match had such a fucked-up stipulation. That's another problem with TNA. Why does every match on the card have to have a goddamn stipulation? I think another name, and I'm going to bring up another name, and you can send your emails to WNLshow at yahoo.com and tell me how stupid you think I am. But I think if you could team this guy up with the right person, like a Raven, I think Kevin Nash has a pretty good brain for the business, even though he catches a lot of flack. Oh, yes, Kevin Nash, great mind for the business. He can't even fucking see the, uh, the reason why the WWE would put a title on a guy like The Miz. Fuck the new talent. Fuck Dude, him. he's just doing that shit to keep his name in the papers. Don't you all see that? Kevin Nash. It's just to he... keep people talking about him. Trey, Whether it's good or bad. Trey, when Kevin Nash was booking WCW, he was keeping the younger talent down. 
I don't no, fucking I don't see any mentality, dude. That. I don't even want to get into all that. That's just... Well, I, okay, I don't understand how you could say, well, Kevin Nash is the fucking answer. I'm not saying he's the answer. But he's not going to help it. He's not going to hurt it, and he's going to do better than Russo <laughs> because it's going to be something different. Nash has a track record of not helping the situation. Well, oh, yeah, you know, let's... I let's... wasn't in WCW when he was booking, but I've heard him tell a lot of stories on a lot of the bullshit that he had to go through. And I promise you that God couldn't have booked WCW when he had the book and made it any better. Oh, hey, Goldberg's got this undefeated streak. Why don't I book myself to be the one to beat him? Oh, Jericho wants to uh, move up the card. Uh, no, I'm not for that. Let's keep him down. Oh, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, he's too small. Let's not push him either. Well, I tell you what then, JJ, if you've got a better answer for anybody that can ride in on their fucking white horse right now and keep that company from fucking falling apart, by all means, instead of knocking holes in everything I say, throw a name out there. I don't have anything better because I don't think this company is saved. Can be saved. Oh, you can't think that way, dude. Like Seriously. they literally TNA should be called Titanic. It just hit the fucking iceberg and it's sinking right now. I'll agree with that. You cannot fix the fucking Titanic. It's going down. Well, then maybe they should just come out Thursday and say, we're sorry, we're unfixable, we're out. I don't believe that. Well, I, th I think the right, the right mind or the right minds, whoever they may be, could fix this company. There's a lot of people that have power that need to be let go, that are just padding their retirement. And if you get rid of them and you actually start giving the people what they want, and it's not hard to do, Listen to who they cheer for. Listen to who they boo. Give them what they're asking for. God forbid that crazy idea ever fucking working. Mommy, I want a cookie. Give the motherfucker a cookie. Don't give him a fucking steak. Give him a cookie. He wants a cookie. Give him a cookie. The fan wants a glass of milk. Give him a glass of milk. Don't give him a beer. Give him a glass of milk. Don't try to tell the fan what he wants. Listen to what he wants and give that shit to him. It's, How hard is that? Brother, I don't even agree that you should give the fans exactly what they want. Yeah, but it's a step in the right direction from where they are right now. When I They're trying to outthink us. They're trying to think so far outside the box that they're in a completely different drive through I agree. I agree. It's like, hey. Let's make these guys heels. And hey, let's make these guys faces. When really, there's no reason in hell Matt Morgan should ever be a face. No, there's not. There's no reason that Jeff Hardy should ever be a heel. There's a reason why in the one company in this world that makes money and is profitable and is the largest company of its kind, the WWE, there's a reason why Jeff Hardy was never a fucking heel. You know? It's like Sting was never a fucking heel until he became a TNA. Quit trying to outthink the business. Just give the fucking people what they want. Try that for a couple of months and see if you can't save yourself. I don't even want you to give me what I want. I just want you to fucking get rid of the people who are dragging your company down uh, maybe have Dixie Carter nut up and hire someone, maybe an old wrestling mind who has a, a 
an idea or a direction on where to take a wrestling company. Not a bunch of fucking uh, has-been hacks who are basically clinging to the money that they're getting paid, hoping that they can do something. And that's what it is. That's all it is. I thought when Hogan and Bischoff came in, they were really going to do something with these guys, and this company was going to turn a corner. In the first couple of months, it was okay. And then it got progressively worse. And now it's to the point 2010 is almost over, and I could give two shits about this company. How do you take a hardcore wrestling fan that will watch fucking Japanese wrestling, Lucha Libre, I'll even fucking watch Wrestlelicious if it's on. How do you take a guy that has spent most of his life watching professional wrestling and kill my love for the product? This is the question I want to ask TNA because you've done that to me. You have done that to me. You're not getting what you want. They are going out of their way to reinvent the wheel so far that it's a slap in the face to a knowledgeable wrestling fan. And when you start slapping your fans in the face and telling them, you don't know shit, we know what we're doing, watch us you know, overthink this and over-reinvent the wheel, a fan loses interest. A fan doesn't become a fan. A fan becomes somebody that wants to hate. And that's what's happened. That's exactly what has happened. Well, apparently I'm the baby Trey was talking about. What the fuck, Big Dub? I think you want a cookie. Wow, I want a fucking cookie. You don't want potato chips. You want a cookie. If you wanted a donut, I should give you a donut. If you want fajitas, I should get you fajitas. If I'm trying to sell you my product... If I'm trying to make sure that you get what you want out of my two hours of television, then I should try to cater to what you want to an extent to where I make sure you want to come back. If you walk in my restaurant and my hostess shits on your menu and my waiter slaps your wife in the face and says you have the ugliest children on the planet, the food's good, but the service is so horrible, you would never want to come back. What's the point in having the best food in town if your service is that terrible? There That's you go. TNA. TNA has a great menu. TNA's menu is, is, is as good as the WWE's, top to bottom. But their servers and their hostesses and the way they run their business makes it damn near impossible for you to stomach it enough to come back and try to eat off my menu again. And that's the problem. Does that make sense? A little bit. If, if, if the newspaper comes in to write a review and the guy says, well, I walked in the door, I waited 20 minutes, there was no line and plenty of places to set, but they made me wait a mandatory 20 minutes. Then, finally, the host called me an ugly motherfucker and put me in a smoking section when I asked for non-smoking. The waiter came over and said, my wife 
was a $2 hooker and that my kids looked like they had a touch of the tard, can I take your order? And then I had the best food I've ever had in my life. They charged me $20 extra just because I was there for so long. And then one of the other waiters ran out and slashed my tires before I could get in my car to go home. But the food was excellent. You still wouldn't go back. It wouldn't be worth the trouble. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I just I want to ask Big Dub what what he's what he's bitching about in the chat. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would love to know if you're one of these people that's been a TNA supporter from day one, and if you've bought every fucking pay per view. And if you have, feel free to let me know that, because as someone who's been buying their pay per views for the last three or four years, I'm kind of done. I'm getting nothing out of my investment. And it's, it's really sad because, you know, somebody can be listening to this and saying, well, Trey, how do you project that the listeners and the viewers get their opinions to Dixie? Well, she's on the Twitter all the time. She's on Facebook all the time. And every time I go to her page, I see nothing but complaints. She has to be reading these. She has to see these. She's not a stupid woman. But to say TNA's dead, I think that's taking things a little too far. Is it fixable? Yes. Question is, will it? Okay, let me reiterate. Let me reiterate. TNA is not dead, but it has one foot in the grave and the other on the banana peel. And that's fine. That's your opinion. That's your thought. If they're dead to you, then we will make changes on this network. So that we don't have somebody reviewing their product that doesn't watch the show because that's not what we do here. Well, that's true. I didn't know TNA was on ESPN. TNA has never been on ESPN. Yeah, that's big dub. Somebody kick him. Just fucking kick him. They've been on Fox Sports. Thanks for playing. Fucking want to piss me off. Just fucking kick the little motherfucker. (sighs) I want to see them succeed I have friends there still no I don't think I'm part of the company and no I don't think I know more than me than the average fan because I know somebody that works there but I want to see them succeed for a multitude of reasons competition in the business is always good we need that and to be honest with you I won't lie a lot of time I can watch two hours of TNA and be just fine. I'm, I, I have no beef. You know, maybe a few things. But I'm one of the few people that go in with an open mind. 90% of the TNA viewer goes in looking for a reason to complain. Well, you're right about that. 90% of the TNA fan turns it on expecting for it to suck and to give them something to bitch about. Why, I don't know. That's like opening up sour milk in your refrigerator every Thursday night and taking a big old swig to see if it's going to change. No, motherfucker, it's still sour. And then you put it back in the fridge. A week later, Thursday rolls around. You open up the fridge, you take a big old swig of that sour milk. Guess what? It's still sour. 
If you go into it with that opinion, that's what you're going to get. If I wanted to go into every WWE event and pick out every little thing I think it sucks or is stupid, I could do that. But I'm a fan of wrestling, so I don't do that with any product. Why would you? I like football. That's why I watch it. I like steak. That's why I eat it. I like beer. That's why I drink it. I don't like coffee. So I don't drink it. If you don't like wrestling, then don't watch it. If all you're going to do is sit and nitpick, watch something else. Life is too goddamn short. Oh, I hear you, but Trey. If, I agree. If, if I go into any show on television with the mindset that I'm going to pick out every flaw and every fucked up thing they do, I could do that with any show. If you go in with an open mind, a lot of times impact isn't as bad as the internet makes it out to be. Well, see, but, but a lot of but a lot of times it can be. <laughs> but see, that's just it. I'm not going off what the internet is saying. I as didn't say a, you did. No, I know. I'm just I'm making sure that we clarify this. I don't want to be lumped in that group that just hates on TNA for no fucking reason. And I feel like that's the way that I'm being perceived. And that's not how I am at all. No, I think you're a disgruntled I think you're a disgruntled viewer that says you're tired of putting money into something you're getting nothing out of. And I am. True statement. Like it's I'd pretty like to know who invented this goddamn Fushigi and kicked their ass. <laughs> it's pretty bad that when I'm doing a radio show covering a pay per view and I look at both of my co hosts and say, Wow, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's that's really the way that I feel about TNA. To each his own. I enjoy it. I, does that make me stupid? Fuck, no. I guess. I don't know. No, it doesn't make you stupid. I'm not saying that. Oh, I'm not saying you are. But the internet, a lot of people out there say if you like TNA, then you must have no morals and no brain power. And you must be a fucking idiot or a redneck, which, well, I am, so I don't give a fuck about that. But... I'm a wrestling fan, hence why I do a wrestling show. Now, isn't that ironic? And more important to the fact, we're members of the IWC. I love those shows that like to sit there and say, oh, well, we used to be a member of the IWC, but now we're smart fans. No, no, if you're on, the, if you're on a fucking wrestling website getting news, if you're listening to a podcast about professional wrestling that you got from the Internet... I got news for you, people. You're a part of the IWC. So I don't know where this whole little, I'm not a part of the IWC. I'm smarter than that. Grow the fuck up. That statement just fucking floors me. Well, I just don't understand this. Where you could call yourself a wrestling show. And I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not naming one show in particular. No, we're not. I, there are I several name, shows. I, I could name 15 off the top of my head right now. Now, 10 to 15 right now. So don't go running back to any one show and say, oh, they're fucking talking shit. No, talking I, mean, about I, several. I, can, I can literally think of 10 to 15 shows right now that hate on TNA, talk down out on TNA, you know, talk down on the people that watch TNA, 
Okay. As a wrestling show, it's not your job put down the product and the people that watch it. It's just like a football play. It's just like a football announce team. You're really not supposed to like either team. You like the sport. You don't like either team, and you call it down the middle for the viewer to listen to. What gives me the right to tell the listeners of Wrestling News Live they're fucking idiots if they like something? Who the fuck am I? True. You know, I'm a wrestling fan. That's why I watch wrestling. That's why I do, by God, a fucking internet wrestling radio show. You know what I mean? This isn't about checkers. It's not about chess. It's not about baseball. Not about football. It's about wrestling. Therefore, I feel it my job to watch the product and tell you what I think of what's going on. And let you make up your own mind whether you like it or not. Yeah, you know, the tagline for this show, for the fans, by the fans, pretty true. I don't consider myself a journalist or no. a fucking wrestling broadcaster. I'm a fan, just like you, who has a fucking mixer and a goddamn microphone and a fucking stream. Grandma's on vacation. She took gobbles with her. Oh, that's good. I'm glad we don't hear gobbles running around. And although I did see him in front of Madison Square Garden, so he is really making the rounds these days. Yeah, they do it. They're doing a tour. They're doing a little tour. He was at a Rob Zombie show too. Awesome. Well, you know what? I think we've hammered this thing enough. Like you know, obviously we don't have the answers that are going to fix uh, what's happening with TNA. By I, God, I'll try every day though. No. And God love you for it, Trey. I mean, I wish they would. I wish. And I'm not saying I'm the guy. Fuck, I'd probably tear it up and make it worse than it is. But I'd at least go in there with my fucking hands and my sleeves rolled up, get my hands dirty and try. You know, that's you know? that. the good thing about the WWE, whether you like the product or you don't, is that Vince McMahon is the man in charge. And if that motherfucker says, all right, Cena, you're going to fucking jump 10 feet high, and he goes out there and he doesn't jump 10 feet high, and Vince says... You're fucking fired. That's the final fucking word. It's not, oh, I have fucking contractual and as a fan, control. you know who to blame for everything. Exactly. It's not like Cena would have contractual control and say, well, pff, I only have to jump five feet instead of ten, Vince. I can do whatever the fuck I want because I'm under a guaranteed contract, and I fucking have creative control. And that's the problem with the business. If you have fucking people showing up in your company drunk, high, or late when they're supposed to be there, by God, fire the motherfuckers and make an example and let everybody else on that roster know that you're not going to put up with that bullshit. You know, there's not like there's a ton of wrestling companies around that you can go fucking work for on a mainstream level. That's the problem with these companies today. You either have someone who's in control and takes charge and makes you toe the fucking line, or you work for a company like TNA where it's like, oh, well, we have drug tests, but it doesn't matter if you fail them. Because we're not going to do anything about it. Oh, it's okay that our world champion comes to work fucking high, stoned, and a fucking felon. It's okay. It's okay. He's the champ. It's okay. We, we can get away with that. That's the problem with the business today with TNA. Fucking nut up, Dixie, and do something. Seriously. And with that being said, I think we should check some emails. I think we should, too, because I'm, I'm just about done with this shit for tonight. I'm all fucking hateful now. 
Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, if you weren't, you wouldn't be passionate. That's true. You know, even hate's a passion. I <laughs> uh, like how Rigo says this in the chat room. What a night. Trey and JJ talking big dicks, racial commentary, and how high Vince wants my ass to jump. <laughs> I'm going to put that down in the summary of the show, probably. That's, that's awesome. Quote of the night right there. I'm telling you. All right, let's move on to the emails for tonight. I got mail! Yay! I got mail! Yay! Of course you have an email, you idiot! Just read it! Hey, speaking of emails, before you get into one, I want to let the listeners know. All right. Mark Madden has responded. Shut the fuck up. I swear to God. <laughs> Mark Madden has finally answered the call of the Trey Dog. <laughs> oh, that's fucking, that's rich. Well, speaking of rich, good, good play on words. Do you know what he said in response to debating me on the show? Well, let me guess. How much are you going to pay him, Trey? How much will I pay him to come on here and debate with me? That's what he wanted to know. I give him a five-finger discount. You fucking fat fucking idiot. You know, I mean, that's just, that's, that's such a fucking cop out. Whatever, dude. How much dude. are you going to pay me? Fuck you. That tells me everything I need to know about you. That you don't love the business. You're in it to make money off of it and rape it like a fucking bitch. We're talking about a guy who spent five minutes doing WCW commentary when it was dying. Really, does Mark Madden have any pull in the business? Not really. Fucking loser. Anyway, with that said, let's move on to some emails. This first one comes to us from Jay White. Jay White. Jay White. And don't be racial. I'm not being racist. It's entitled Big Fan. I've been a okay. big I've been a big fan of WNL Forever. The newest incarnation of the show is awesome. I'm 35 years old, and I've been yeah, watching wrestling forever. It's something I share with my dad as a kid, so I can say I've been a wrestling fan for 30-plus years. More often than not, I find that I agree with you both. I'm a huge Jomo fan, and I've been waiting for his big push. In some ways, he reminds me of a young Shawn Michaels. Hell, sometimes I'll bullshit with a few of my friends about old-school shit like Triple WF, WCCW, AWA, GWF, and so on. There's no real point to this email besides to say, you guys kick ass, keep it going. Jay White, Ohio, P.S. Trey, go horde. Uh, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I was liking that email. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. My subscription actually ends tomorrow for the month. <laughs> nice. I probably won't resubscribe until Monday. I'll tell you what I have done. And I wanted to share this with everybody. Um, I am really enjoying the shit out of this. And if you follow me on Facebook, you've probably seen it. But I signed up for Tiger Woods Online. And it's 35 bucks for the year, which when I get my paycheck, that's what I'm going to do is sign up for the year. Or if you just want to check it out and see if you're going to like it, it's only 5 bucks for an entire month. And when you're a member... You pay no greens fees. You actually collect points, and you can buy gear and equipment just like you can on the console game. But, like, 
when I became a certain rank, I got an entire tailor-made set of clubs, irons, woods, all for free. And every hole that you play has a long drive and closest to the pin. It's just, I, I love it. it is, it's, I, I'm, a, I'm a big golfer. Matter of fact, my nine-year-old nephew was in my apartment this afternoon. And I, had, I always get my golf cleats a year in advance so that I can break them in over the winter just wearing them around the house without the cleats screwed into them. I wear them around the house and shit so I can break them in. So I got out, I got a brand new pair of Mizuno golf cleats a couple of weeks ago. And I pulled them out of the closet yesterday. I was kind of walking around the house and I'm breaking them in because if you've ever bought golf cleats brand new, you know, they're a motherfucker to break in. Right. And uh, my nephew was sitting on the couch and they were underneath my coffee table. He pulls them out and he goes, Uncle Trey. And I go, what? And he goes, these are the gayest fucking baseball cleats I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just said, I said, well, we just won't let your mother know you said that. I said, those are my golf cleats, buddy. He goes, oh, I thought they were a little fruity. Oh, that, that's good stuff. Uh, we have another one here from uh, from Doiner. Doiner? Yeah, you know Doiner. Smoochie says black people don't play golf. Only the good ones do. Oh, wait. Only the ones that like to cheat on their wife. Oh, wait. There's a there's a joke in there. Somewhere. Somewhere. Golf should be a sport that more black people play. I mean, where else can you get your jollies hitting a fucking white ball with a fucking mm -hmm. iron? And then taking your God-fucking-given time to get to the next shot. It's just why, you know, it's just like white people, predominantly, uh, obviously, from Canada in the north, play hockey. It's a bunch of white men hitting a fucking black puck. It's just the opposite. It's racist. Well, it's it's all fucking why, racist. It's why Asians are so good at, at pool. Because they get to use the white ball to knock in all the other balls. And the game is over with when you knock the black ball into the hole to end the game on the green turf. Which is like the earth. Yeah, keep, keep in mind, though, when you're using the white ball in billiards, you're hitting all the colored balls. So really... It's just the white ball knocking the other ball into a hole. It's all about dominance. It's all about putting things see, in holes. See, you all want to be fucking racial again. The show is not racial. I was just saying, I wasn't going anywhere near racist. And then fucking Smoochie, who is black, had to point out that they don't <laughs> play golf. Okay, let's get back to the emails by, uh, by our good friend Doiner. As do, you remember that time, do you remember that time I said I was going to mail some? something yeah you they did. were black you did i, said I was gonna mail them something and i said but they probably wouldn't get it and he goes why and i said because black people don't answer the mail they think it's a bill <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awful trey anyway that's back crazy. to the emails for tonight because we have quite a few we need to get through before we end the show uh this one comes to us from doiner hey there as of uh late monday night raw has been three hour shows and the upcoming 2010 Slammy Awards show is another three-hour show. Yep, it is. Do you think having another three-hour Raw is overkill? Have a good one and keep up the massive work, Doiner. Yes. I'm sick of oh, the three-hour Raws. Sick of them. See, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I, it's not like it was when there was a Monday Night 
more because then you had to flip. And inevitably, you're going to miss something when you're on the other. So I always hated that shit. But now that they're by themselves, I look forward to them. Is it a little soon? Yeah. But I think that, you know, whenever it's by, whenever it's by itself on a Monday night, I don't have a problem with it. Wow. Do you know Arda Ocal is now following you on Twitter? He is. He is. WNL. Wow. There you go. Right after Raw, following us. We're, we're big time, man. We're big time. Um, I was going to say something else. And I forgot what it was. There is an email from Evan O'Brien. We don't have time tonight to discuss this. We'll, we'll save it for next week on the show. Okay, here we go. It's basically uh, your Vern Troyer story. My Vern Troyer story. Yeah, you had a story about Vern Troyer. Yeah, I was out old motherfucker's escort one night. Yeah. And, uh, well, no, don't don't do it tonight. Save it for next week when we have more time. I'll just say he's a horny little bastard. Well, you could tell that by watching fucking Surreal Life. I was his chauffeur for a night. You talk about some fucked up shit. God damn. Let's move on to uh, an email from our good friend Hunjo. Hunjo. Oh, I know what I was going to say. What? Am I the only white guy that gets away with making black jokes like that? Probably. I love black people. You and Elvis both. And Jerry Maguire. All right, let's go to our email. Uh, this one comes to us from Hunjo, the good, the bad, and the fugly of TNA. Oh, well, I'm going to grab a cigarette for this one. Do that. Greetings, JJ Trey and the WNL family. With talk of the last few weeks being primarily focused on the WWE and one Miz, I thought I'd toss out a swerve of my own, namely TNA and how the IWC, including other internet and terrestrial radio shows, treat the product. Yeah, some might say listening to other shows and podcasts is cheating, but it is. But is it if if I was thinking of WNL and the SNS network while I was gagging my way through the shows? Absolutely That's not. That's like saying. And if I was fucking somebody with it and I was thinking of you, it's not cheating. There you go. I'd fuck Katy Perry. This just in. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I was listening to one, one show, which I will not name, but will go so far as to say it's an overproduced three-hour tour de force of negativity against all wrestling and not just TNA masked wow. under the guise of clean content trying to be funny. Three, three hours? That's. I thought we were the only idiots that... Went three hours. Yeah, we're, we don't have a time schedule. We always go fucking late. As I was muddling through an episode just this last week, something was said as an offhand comment that I'm sure many of the regular listeners didn't catch. But I did, and it set me off. There was a segment coming up on the show about previewing the final resolution pay-per-view for TNA, and the co-host commented that the pay-per-view was going to suck. Huh. How can you say that without seeing the show? In fact, this person seldom watches the TV shows, let alone the pay-per-views, and feels the need to give an opinion. I think he's talking about me, Trey. No, I don't think he's talking about you, but I will say this. One thing you know for sure, and I want to stress this to our entire Wrestling News Live family, is that as sure as I like pussy and beer, you can know that I watch TNA Impact. JJ watches it. We watch the pay-per-views. We don't read spoilers and then try to tell you our thoughts. Because we're cool. We actually watch what we what we report. So, so take that to the bank with you. I won't go on how this major contradiction in claiming to have been unbiased opinion while not bothering to even watch the content. 
what I want to do is lay out my opinions on the TNA product. I'll start by saying I do not think it's all good content. In fact, it's about 25, 50, 25. Some horrible, some decent That's to fair. good, and some excellent. That's fair. But that can be said about any pro wrestling these days. In my humble opinion, no company has cornered the market on excellent wrestling gimmicks, ring work, and or storylines. What I see as bad things, typical spots where I feel are a waste of talent and time is as follows. The bleed over of the main events on Impact into the start of Reaction. I agree. While I know that they are trying to do, it doesn't work in the, if the fans in the UK and Europe and some areas in the US don't get Reaction at all, or they do, it's on a different time and day. This kills the main events, which have the potential of being good to great. He's absolutely right there. The other issue I have with the product is faces being heels and heels being faces. This has been covered by WNL, and I won't reopen the issue, but that needs to be fixed. Samoa Joe versus the Pope. Why? What about their own feuds beforehand? Joe versus Jarrett and Pope versus Abyss. This screams of Russo booking and pisses me off. This could be a great feud, but only after the Immortal and Fortune angles have finished their runs. It's too early. The Shore. Ugh. Come on. Stop trying to capitalize on a show that wrestling fans do not care nor watch. The crowd is giving Robbie E. and Cookie X-Pac heat and not heel heat. Add to the fact that Jay Lethal is being used to get the shore over, and it's an epic fail. Finally, my biggest beef is no unified tag team forming to go against Immortal and Fortune. It's been teased a couple of times, but the trigger hasn't been pulled for some unknown reason. With Dixie working in conjunction angle, I can see a spot where Kurt Angle can work on marshalling the troops behind the scenes to take on Immortal and Fortune. If they wait too long to go with this angle, they are going to lose even the diehard fans. You're right, that's happening right now. Okay, there's obviously additional issues, but those are the most glaring to me at the moment. For those things I find working right, it starts with the Jeff Jarrett MMA character. That angle is working well, it's funny, pisses people off the right way, and is believable. Jarrett wearing MMA gear to the ring and going so far to use his guitar gimmick as a failback is great work. The segment with Jeff and his dojo and the kids was spot on perfect. I'll admit, I, I laughed and chuckled a little bit at that segment. I thought it was pretty good. As much as I think Jeff Hardy should not be a heel, he has to at least stop he has at least stopped performing as a face in the ring. Not entirely. He's right back to wearing the face paint and wrestling that same fucking style as of last night. Oh, wait, he was high. There's the excuse there. He's no longer a high... Sp <laughs> He's no longer a high-flying spot monkey and has even adopted the slap nuts move at times. His promo off the stage without the face paint is a sign that he studied Raven's early work and is doing it well. How long can he be... How long can he keep this up is probably more of a factor on how long before Matthew, all caps, shows up. I'm thinking just short of 90 days. Another angle that's working for me is the rookie referee. I'm not sure where it's going, and because of that, it works for me. I don't always want to know where something is going. This guy could go the Earl Hebner route or the face ref route. Either will work if done right. The last one isn't necessarily a positive nor a negative. I will admit that I'm a bit of a mark for Anderson. And the way they brought him back, had me excited. I like that even though he mentioned he wasn't cleared to fight on his promo on Impact, it was obviously not scripted. In that way, I like 
that he works like those of his predecessors. Time will tell on this one. Well, that's it for me this time. Looking forward to the archive of the SNS Final Resolution and the Fallout. Oh, and the Raw discussion as well. Hunjo. I'll say he's got some points as far as Anderson is concerned. Um, I do like Anderson a lot. He's one of those guys in the company that, that I can support. But I really feel like they dropped the fucking ball with this Hardy thing. Anderson should have been the one to fucking join Fortune and Immortal. I agree. I agree. And Hardy should have been the babyface. Angle and Hardy should have been the ones that got fucked up. You can't have a good guy telling everybody he's a goddamn asshole. I I know. Like, I'm an asshole, so I'm going to fuck you over. You didn't see it coming because I'm an asshole. What? But no, let's let's do a swervy swerve and put Jeff Hardy over. Right. Didn't work so well, did it? Let's go back to the emails. This one comes to him to us from our fucking foreign kid. Some random thoughts. Oh, this will be fucking good. For the second time in two weeks, Shoutcast has gone on strike for me. So this is me communicating via the emails. I got you blocked. Maybe that's why the raw GM emails raw. They can't afford mics, so he has to email them. Because the reason of my email, I got a chance to catch last night's TNA pay-per-view offering. And, well, if there was ever an example of two different extremes of booking, it was last night. First two hours, awesome. Last one, awkward, weird booking. As you reported early in the show, the court case is getting to Jeff no matter what he says. I think it would have even better for them to have dropped the belt, go to court, then react to the result of the case. As I said, it unplugged. If he goes to jail... How will they announce it on Impact? I'm going to tell you how they're going to announce it on Impact. Next month, when they do their next pay-per-view, what is it, Genesis? They're actually going to have the title match from Folsom Prison. Johnny Cash (laughs) will actually be singing the theme song to the pay-per-view. And Jeff Hardy will come out. And Jeff Hardy will come out in his fucking prison gear without his makeup. And he'll defend the championship Uh, in the middle of the yard at Folsom Prison. That is how we're going to end the show next month when Jeff goes to fucking jail. There's your booking right there. I'm fucking from prison. Goddamn, i got to find that for fucking Song of the Night. There you go. That is going to be motherfucking Song of the Night right there. I am fucking in there like cheap swimwear. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. Speaking of unplugged, be sure to check out the archives of last week's show. (laughs) I thought you were going to... I was like, speaking of unemployed, I was like, shit, we get canceled? <laughs> no, we might in a minute. Uh, speaking of unplugged, be sure to check out the archives of last week's show as we had a great interview with former WWE ECW ring announcer Lauren Mayhew. Uh, due to the positive feedback we got, I decided to dip my toe in the world of booking interviews one more time, and I can announce that this week on Unplugged that myself and JJ, and Trey, if you want to join in, feel free, will be interviewing former WWE TNA talent, Lance Hoyt slash Vance Archer live this week. Yay! Lance and I go way back, so it's going to be nice to uh, find out how he's doing. For those of you that don't know, I was actually the first radio interview Lance Hoyt ever had, and we made the announcement. We were were shortly thereafter because you hooked us up with him after you guys were done. Exactly. But back when I was still with WrestleTalk Radio, we were the first people to book him because I had... uh, I'd been to a couple of the shows that he was a part of in Arlington, Texas. And when he came on Russell Talk Radio, he was known as Shadow because that was his gimmick in PCW. <laughs> Rigo is still hung up on Brian Danielson having a big dick. 
Oh my god. <laughs> we've we've so moved past the penis remarks. He said, Trey, I agree with you. Brian Daniel or Daniel Bryan is not rich. Well, that only leaves one other reason why the Bellas would be fighting for him. There you go. Uh, one final note. I recently bought tickets to the SmackDown tapings here in England for April, and since John Cena can jump the barrier and get arrested, maybe I can too. All uh, right. Where wear one of the new Wrestling News Live t-shirts. Until Friday. Peace. The fucking foreign kid, Chris Kelly. I like that foreign kid sometimes. He's a good kid. That fucking foreign kid. He's like herpes. He goes away, but he always comes back. Oh, my God, Trey. Did you really just fucking say that shit? Just when you least expect it, there he is. Oh, my God. He just pops God. up. That, that's just not right, Trey. Well, it's true. I mean, you think he's gone, and then 10 minutes later, boom, there he is still talking. You're like, what the fuck? I thought you left. That is fucking Politi- right. <laughs> Politically incorrect news live. <laughs> that is this show in a fucking nutshell. That is real black art. As we are going about an hour and sixteen minutes. We are the most. Time. We are the most racist show that has so many black people listen to this show. I'm surprised that I'm still alive. Like that's racist too. We're like we're like train wreck radio. I think that's you know? implying that a black man would kill me for saying things I say. Yeah, there you go. But I don't mean it. I don't mean anything I say hateful at all ever. Well, no, I can't say that either. But when I'm making a joke, I don't mean what I say. Hatefully. Most of the time, he doesn't mean it. Smoochie says all black people don't kill people. No, they usually black, kill each other. <laughs> Real black art. Real black art says I'm Hispanic. I'm almost black. See, that, that's the problem. They don't, they don't kill everybody. They just kill each other a lot of times. Smoochie says just in... Dot, 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 A-S. Isn't that what you called the Nexus earlier? The Nuckus? The Nuckus. <laughs> That's what I called just them. The, the Nuckus. Who just kills the Nuckus? The Nuckus. Please tell me that I have this song on my fucking computer. Hollywood, always up to no good, says this is the most racist, sexist, funniest show on the net. <laughs> it's pretty bad sometimes, man. It's pretty bad. I'll be goddamn, I do have this fucking song on my computer. And what's funny is, back in the day, back in the day, which was a Wednesday, JSK would say some shit, and he wouldn't mean it to be racist, but it would come out so goddamn racist that I would be like, goddamn, that was racist. Now, speaking of JSK, um, I'm going to grab some clips from the Christmas Craptacular when we do the next one in a few weeks. Right. Because I, I, I still want to pick... The funniest thing I think he ever said in regards to oh Christmas. Oh, my God. You know. That's one of my favorite parts of that show. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts that we ever did of any show ever, including Wasted News Live. And if you listen to it, you can genu- genuinely hear my response. When he goes off on a tangent about, and, and Adam and I are talking about, I think we're talking about wrestling. And JSK hits the pipe, and you can hear it. <laughs> and he goes, you know, in some places that, you know, sex stories are against the law. It's, I think it's Alabama or some shit. Yeah, he's like, in Alabama, you can't even have a sex toy. <laughs> and my response is so genuine and honest. 
I just laughed, and I go, how do you know this? I know my sex, Trey. You know? I keep up on my sex, Trey. Now, I can't confirm or deny that Matt Hardy has a small penis. Now, we haven't interviewed Amy Dumas, so we don't know. I would straight up ask her about I would straight up, if she ever comes on this show, I'm going to ask her about Matt Hardy's penis. Oh, my God. That's going to be a short interview. Might be a short penis. <laughs> no, my favorite thing that JSK ever said on the Christmas Craptacular would have to be when he goes on a tangent about celebrating Christmas, and he says, well, Christmas, well, he's fired up, man. Christmas he is, fucking fired up. He's like, Christmas is not only celebrated all around the world, but on the whole planet. <laughs> like, what? So I'm going to take some classic JSK phone clips. rang. The, the, day, the day after we posted that show, my phone rang with JJ laughing hysterically. I guess you called me the minute you heard that. I did. I did. And I'm like, did he really say that? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> He did say that. That was some good times right there. It, you guys were fucking still busting my nuts over that fucking Sting Ultimate Warrior remark that I made. What was that? I don't remember. Oh, I, back in 2005, Sting had just signed a contract with TNA. And right. I think I had been on your show on one of the Wrestling News Live shows. And Probably. I basically made the comment that I wasn't excited for Sting signing with TNA because I didn't think he was going to bring anything to the table. I didn't think it was going to put asses in seats. And I said you'd have better luck with the Ultimate Warrior signing with the company. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. And you motherfuckers like, oh, I think JJ's fucking high on crack or something. We love JJ Sexy, but that boy's fucking high. That boy's different. I I think uh, one of my favorite parts was when JSK was telling the story of how he woke up in the hospital and didn't know where he was and he was still under the anesthesia, I guess, and the nurse walked by. I said, well, what'd you do? He goes, I grabbed a nurse's ass. And that was a sound clip that we used for a long time. What'd you do? Grab the nurse's ass. I miss that motherfucker. Sorry to to break in. I'm just, I'm watching something on the score. They were showing a sports highlight and it looked like one dude took another dude's helmet from this football game and started beating the fuck out of him. Looked like a guy that was with the, the Titans. I missed that. I don't know how old that is or if it's fucking new or what, but holy shit. Rodriguez says, I hate it when someone calls me Latino because I'm from I'm not from South America. What do they call you? Mexican? Yeah, because he's not Mexican. Do Mexicans Mexicans hate it when you call them Latinos? Right? Hispanic. Well, that's Mexican, you motherfucker. No, it's not. Hispanic is goddamn too Mexican. Hispanic is also Spanish. Spanish is fucking Mexican. No. If you're in Mexico, what do you speak? Spanish. (laughs) From Spain, yes. No. No. You don't go to Mexico and speak Mexican. Because there is no Mexican, it's Spanish. <laughs> you speak Spanish. So if you're a Me- Mexican, you're Spanish. The fucking conquistadors fucking taught those people in Mexico <laughs> how to speak that Spanish. Was, that was another JSKism. The corn kinkadors. <laughs> the corn kinkadors. He always called them the corn kinkadors. Oh, God. We're going to have so much fun with the Craptacular. I literally today went and Last found... Last time we did a Craptacular, we got fired. <laughs> 
days later. Yeah, well, this is my network now. We ain't getting fired unless Harmony fires well, Spain, us. Spain, Spain is in Europe. I would call Europe European. I wouldn't call them Spanish if you're from Europe. I wouldn't call you Spanish. That's dumb. Maybe I'm fucking dumb. <laughs> the way the way the world breaks down to me is, if you're in Mexico, you speak Spanish. If you're in Puerto Rico, you speak Puerto Rican. It doesn't if, work that way, Trey. Huh? It doesn't work that way. Well, why not? It just doesn't work that way, buddy. I'm fucking confused. Email me. Somebody email me and tell me how this works. Hey, if you, you still have the email called up, we've been promising to do this, and we have not done it. We need to read at least two of these. And one of them is, I believe, Concept and Filio both sent letters in for the fans to be published on the website. Well, see, the only problem is I'm reading this shit off my iPod because I'm not doing anything on my computer right now. Oh, see, I can't read it. My voice is too fucked up. I'll tell you what. We, we need to end the show because we've, we've been going over three hours. God damn. But... I promise. We've been going an hour of it's going to be fucking edited for the archive. I promise. Next week, we Here will we fucking go. totally read Glad these. Glad we got this on radio. So, we will take care of... I feel like JJ's we've been drinking. promises. I feel like we're drinking. Or we're fucking drunk. We will totally take care of the... From the fans. Oh, Keep sending those emails. Keep sending those emails. See, the last guy I fucking did a show with would go, oh, we'll read your emails. Oh, we don't have time for your emails. And that used to burn my ass hairs. Okay, yeah, but we've actually done a three-hour show. All right, this just in. This just in. Puerto Rican is not a language. Puerto Ricans speak Spanish. Mexicans also speak Spanish. Peruvians speak Spanish. Dominicans and Cubans speak Spanish. Now, is this all the same Spanish? Yes. But aren't those places really mixed in, like, different parts of the world? No, they're all about the same place in South America. Then how come Europeans speak Spanish? Because If the they're not from Europe. Because the people who emanated from Spain are Spanish. But people in Europe don't speak Spanish, and they're called European. Because not everybody is Spanish in Europe. <laughs> My God, Trey, you're just geographically challenged. But you got to see what I'm saying. I do, but it's just like the English don't speak Spanish, and the <laughs> Russians don't speak fucking Spanish, and they the fucking Asians don't speak Spanish either. The Russians speak Russian. French people don't fucking speak Spanish because they're not they from speak, fucking Spain. They speak the French. Russians, Russians speak Russians and Puerto Rican, or no, Russians speak Russian. And French speak French. Parlez-vous Francais. Oh, my God. This show has de degenerated into fucking... Next week, we'll have a geography bee, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all no. are fucked up. Not really. I know what I'm talking... <laughs> I will fucking give a Puerto Rican a quarter to come on this show and tell the truth. Well, why don't you fucking see if you can get Carlito or Primo, then? I got a Puerto Rican on the payroll. All right. I used to, anyway. Where did he go? His name was Juan, Juan Ortiz. 
Wow. He's Puerto Rican, and he emails me all the time. I bet you a million to one he's going to want money. <laughs> one Cena? One Cena. All right, we're done. We're fucking so done right now. We are, uh, we are getting canceled, people. The fucking chat room it just won't let it go. I got to see something here. Hold on. We have kept the same listener base. How you people have hung up on us by now, I have no idea. Blackheart is right. The Dominican Republic and Cuba are not in South America. You're right. Where are they? Well, Cuba's in the middle of the fucking ocean. Then why do they speak the Florida. same goddamn language as somebody in Mexico? Because the conquistadors <laughs> were there. And they That's were goddamn Spanish. stupid. That makes no fucking sense. They were conquered by the conquistadors, Trey. But they're on another planet. Are they? They're on the other side of the fucking ocean. Uh, I said they're conquistadors, not fucking aliens, Trey. (laughs) What the fuck? They're illegal aliens. And they built the fucking pyramids. No, the cats did that. And the the government is covering it up. And Skulder and... and, and Don't get me fucking started on on shit like that. You know where it'll go. Mulder and Scully are looking into it. But we're going to wrap. We're going to get... Pocahontas is out. She's fucking active. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> Bob and Tom. Well, Pocahontas was an intergalactic slut, I think. The cats bit... Yeah, the fucking cats built the pyramids. Don't question me. They pretty much did. On that note, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay. He is the outlaw of the IWC, the Trey Dog. Stay tuned this week for Unplugged this Friday night, 10.30 Eastern, 8.30 Mountain Standard Time. No pay-per-view this weekend. We'll be back next week with another episode of Wrestling News Live right here on the SNS Radio Network. Say good night, Trey. Good night, Trey. And uh, they also call me Bill Nye, the science guy. And uh, we're going to kick it over to JSK to close things out. And uh, we're going to close things out with some Johnny Cash. This is where uh, Jeff Hardy is going to be defending his World Heavyweight Championship next month for the Genesis pay-per-view. JSK, get us the fuck out of here, bro. Cool. With that being said, thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for everybody uh, that participates in the forum boards, and thanks for everybody participating in the chat room. Until next week, peace, 420, kiss my ass. Good night, white people. I'm out. I'm rich, bitch. I hear the train a-coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby My mama told me, son Always be a good boy Don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno Just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head and cry I bet there's rich folks eating in a fancy dining car 
They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars. Well, I know I had it coming. I know I can't be free. But those people keep a moving, and that's what tortures me. I'd let that lonesome whistle blow my blue. 